everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Lana Succession. I am your host, Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer Spencer. Say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, this is why we do the podcast. Yeah. This is why. <laughs> this is why. Like, when we started Succession, I told you, you have to wait. To, please, get through get through to the end of season one with me. Mm-hmm. Season two, I would say the same thing. Season three, it looks like we're getting the same thing, right? Where it just builds and builds, and then we just get these sort of epic climaxes of the season. I mean, I got a lot to say about this episode. I actually have a lot to criticize about this episode, which might surprise you, hmm. but you cannot say it's not entertaining. I mean, with the, the last few hours they pack into these seasons are just edge of your seat watching. I mean, th- this is peak succession. This is the most succession of succession episodes we've had yet this season, of where everyone is terrible and everyone is having a horrible time, but God, are they articulate and fascinating watching them do it. Absolutely. Um, you made an interesting comment right before we started recording. And we do this thing where we talk before we start recording. And then like sometimes you'll say something. And I'll go, stop, stop, stop. We have to record. Uh, because I want, want to catch it on the pod, which is who the hell could possibly be the loser of the episode? <laughs> Phenomenal question. I couldn't stop thinking about it. That was like the actually the, the, other than the, the central question of the, the cliffhanger. That was the second thing that came across my mind was who the hell could possibly be the loser? There's a lot of losers. Whole lot of losers. Throw a stone, you hit a loser in this and, crowd. And certainly these people think they're winning, but God, I don't think they are. It, it, the options for who suffered this episode are legion. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do a little bit of housekeeping before we get going. This is a Mangum Talks podcast. If you enjoy Mangum Talks podcast, go to mangumtalks.com. We have a bunch of podcasts. We have a bunch of TV review podcasts, general interest podcasts, TV and movie. Uh, we have movie review podcasts called Mangum Watches, which we really enjoy. Uh, that, that's been a lot of fun lately. So yeah, check us out at mangumtalks.com or go to your favorite podcast provider and talk in, type in Mangum Talks. And if you're joining this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate you doing so. You know what's interesting, Spencer, I've noticed, is that it, you, we, typically we'll start a podcast, right? And we, sure. we do new podcast feeds for new television show reviews, right? So people can find us. You know, they type in succession. We want them to be able to find us talking about succession. So we started a new yeah. podcast. Um. And then we build an audience, right? And eventually, about episode three or four is when I start really hammering people. Can you please put reviews in? It really helps us. So, But inevitably, when I do that, I'll start begging people, can you please do reviews? And then we'll start getting negative reviews. You'll get and what's interesting criticism. to me is like, but what's interesting to me is like, you've hung in there through five episodes. We're doing two and a half hour reviews. You don't think, hate it th- that much. Think about these people, just how pissed off they are, but they didn't have an outlet. And then finally, you told them, hey, you can come. And it's like... I can finally tell those bastards how I feel. It makes me think that we have people hate listening to us. Like, because they're still listening. They're still listening, right? So, like, I'm like, hey, if you're listening, sometimes I'll do it, like, at the end of the podcast, right? So, they've they've gotten through two hours, and then they go on and they say, I don't really like this. Well, here's the central complaint we're getting uh, from our podcast here on Succession, which is people don't like that we're preferring one character over another. Let me say, Senator... Hand on the Constitution. Yeah, I'm here. Yep. Hand up. Okay. You can swear me in, okay. sir, as an officer of the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me say unequivocally, I hate all these characters. <laughs> That's the point. Can you people yes. just understand that? We have yeah. to talk about the show. So we have to say if somebody's winning or losing the episode or whatever. But don't get it twisted. These are all awful people. I don't uh, like any of uh, them. So we're like, uh, yeah, yeah. When, when, when we call this a horse race, we do mean they're all going straight for the glue factory. Nobody's winning this. They're, we're just seeing who makes it there first. 
Which which horse hits the barrier that breaks the leg that has them shot on the tarmac first? Like yeah, which which one? Right there, kids weeping in the background makes the front page of the New York Times. That's what we're talking about. The competition is. No so if you got this. it in your head that I hate Kindle or I love I I love Kindle or I hate Shiv, we hate them all. Okay, like let's just get that clear. They're all awful people. But we just try to talk about the episode in the best way we can. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That's been covered. I think it's time we get into our segments. We have segments galore here on Line of Succession. We start with the recap. That's me. I get the homework in this podcast. I do the recap every week, and I will do it again this week. Then we go into Roy the episode, which is the segment we were just talking about. Who won? Who lost the episode? We do Line of Succession, best line of dialogue from the episode. We round out with my favorite three minutes of every week. Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. It's a it's a segment I bring him kicking and screaming to in reality. He doesn't really want to do it, but I make him do it. Spencer, do you have any relationship advice for, for our audience based on the wholesome nature of this episode? When, when the grandfatherly figure uses your child as a poison tester, something has gone wrong leading to this moment. Plus, I've got other things too. Yeah, inevitably, like what is happening here is like, we are watching a nuclear bomb go off and like people run screaming from a city center. And yep. then I'm like, hey, Spencer, what do you want to tell the kids about physics? Like, that's kind of how so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I run this the, segment. That, that bank that was at ground zero, really too long of lines out front. Gotta say, that, that's the <laughs> level of thing I'm offering for this segment. It's kind of hard. Kind of hard to work in any relationship advice at the episode with this clusterfuck. But Spencer will try. Why? Podcast professional. That's Man, why. Man. I think it's time we start season three, episode eight. Been some talk in the fandom about how you pronounce this episode. I'm calling it Chianti Chire because so, of because of the wine Chianti and it's Italy and they drank the entire episode. I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what we're going to go with. So, okay. So I asked you before we came on pod, Spencer, what is the next show we're going to do? We're going to review. This is the penultimate episode of season three. We're going to get episode nine. That's the finale. Then what do we do? What are we going to review? Mm-hmm. We settled on Star Wars. I think we're going to do the Book of Boba Fett. I think we're going to jump into the Star Wars universe again. We're going to do the Book of Boba Fett. But I'll tell you, if we weren't going to do that, I had a show teed up. It's the show that's being advertised here on HP, The Landscapers. Did you see the the review for the, the, the trailer for this? I saw the ads. Most of the time I tune off entirely during the ads, whatever else. This one was, I don't know whether the show is going to be compelling, but that was a very effective ad. It looked really interesting. Like it, it looked like one of those like one shot eight episode who done it type deals that like really fascinate me. Like like the Undoing was or like mm-hmm. White Lotus was something like that. Uh, so we get our recap of previous previous episodes. Right away, they focus on the fact the DOJ thing just went away. Spencer, I think you were right about this. I think they just fucked off with that plot line, and I have complaints. Uh, we will talk about. Hey, it. I, I already don't, voiced I am Join me. Uh, then they talk about the big Tuscan wedding, la da as your boy Logan says. Mm-hmm. Uh, more Madsen stuff. Obviously, Madsen's going to play, play a big role. You don't get Alexander Skarsgård for a small role. This you, guy's going to have something to do with the plot. You say that, but Adrian Brody showed up for an episode and a cameo, and they were apparently content with that. Exactly. Uh, 100%, Spencer. I completely agree. So we get Gojo. Kendall saying it makes no sense for I thought it was interesting they focused on the line from Kendall in the recap. It made me think that that might have got in in Madsen's head this idea of well, it doesn't make any sense for them to be buying you, shouldn't you be buying them? Maybe Kendall yeah, got a little something there in his head. 
That's a, that's a good thing to note. This guy, this guy seems rather ego-obsessed, and that kind of line definitely seems like it would have appealed to that kind of narcissist. Then we have no cold opening. Jumping no. right into the action this week. None. Absolutely. Uh, we see people getting dropped off. Looks like a board meeting. We have a board meeting. We see Carrie pull Stewie and Sandy aside. Apparently, Sandy and Stewie show up together. Still vested interest, I guess. Um, They're board members. Can Logan get just five? She asks. We get uh, Logan and Sandy. Um, Sa- Sandy with an I. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and they get pulled aside. And uh, Logan asks Sandy about six, Dan- six Sandy. Um, how, how's your dad doing? Right, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and Fane's concern for him. Oh, it'll be so nice to have him again. He's, you know, he's board meeting Logan at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. Glad absolutely. Good mood. Uh, Stewie, great line here. Great. We're all over the fucking moon. What is this? <laughs> I would love to hang out with this guy. Cut some bullshit. Oh, more Stewie on the show. I'm all for it, please. Roman then explains that they are in conversations too by Gojo. Stewie asks how advanced. Roman, oh, not very advanced, just getting to outline terms. <laughs> so, you who have handled more than a few business deals in the past, once you're outlining terms, you've gone pretty far. I would say, yeah, yeah. you're past concept at this point. Certainly. That's for sure. Uh, Stewie, so pretty fucking advanced. Sandy seems pretty upset during this entire sequence, I want to point out. Uh, but she also seems slightly over in over her head, which is not a surprise, right? Like, the idea of her having a board seat was something that I think Shiv really cooked up in a self-interested way. I don't think it was based on her actual ability or uh, skill set or experience or whatever. I'm not saying she's a dumb person. Not at all. Like, she's like she's catching up fast. But I do think she was kind of thrown in the fire with this whole deal. Yeah, well, while Stewie's just kind of being snarky and rolling with it, she is clearly uncomfortable with the scenario and is obviously telegraphing it. So it, it shows that she's a little bit more junior at this than maybe Stewie is. Right. Stewie is absolutely sort of hiding what he thinks until the very end. Yeah. Logan, well, we didn't want to bother you until we had some protein. What a what a Loganism. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. Jerry says they didn't want to ambush you, Stewie. Well, no. I mean, if you jump out on someone in the road in the middle of the night, hit them on the head and shout, I'm not ambushing you. It's still a fucking ambush. Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. Potential line of the episode, I think. Great line. Uh, someone uh, on Twitter... Uh, Screen crap that screen cap that line and tweeted it out, adding the actor, mm-hmm. and was talking about how great the actor did. And the actor, I thought, it was a really interesting thing. He responded and said, "Hey, this was all writing, and this episode was good because of the writing." Like he made a point of responding and saying, "Don't give me credit. This is the writing." Uh, Logan says they're gonna be in trouble with another five years of cord cutting. This is a transformative deal. Sandy jumps in and says it's not okay. They were supposed to be inside deal making. I don't see even that term sounds kind of junior inside deal making. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like she's in her element here. Carrie jumps in and says, "Well, it's time for the meeting." Sandy says, "Well, what are you going to do if Madsen starts microdosing and being crazy again?" More on that later mm. in the episode. That does come up. Logan tries to brush it off, but she pushes, saying, "Look, it's bigger than anything you've ever contemplated." Is that true? Do we know that's true? How big is fucking Gojo? Like, this is kind of we, insane, the weight they're putting on it now. We find out later this episode that their market cap is rivaling Waystar. So this is... A- after after a later spike, uh, the price jump. It looks like they had a massive, like, couple day, like, jump in their stock price. I, I would be surprised if it isn't still an incredibly significant purchase. Both, from, both, in, just both in terms of its potential, but also the amount of money they're talking about throwing around. This seems like a real big move. Like, you know, once every few decades kind of move for the company. And Logan, a guy who has managed a board before, 
I think, shows it by saying, sure, okay. Well, if you don't like it, kill it. Stewie. Stewie. Well, well, we didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so, I, he, I love that Stewie is partnered with the Sandys, but he is not of the same mindset at any point. It is kind of frustrated no. that he's with them. It's just like, they're, yeah. in it, they're in it for their own particular cause. They're screwing over Logan. He's here to make money, and this idea could make money. Yeah, you know, you knew Stewie was going to like it. Of course, he was going to like it. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely a money maker. Um, the only thing that I, I thought might be interesting about for Stewie is obviously Stewie now has some stock in this company. I mean, you would think. Well, he was a board member beforehand. He was a board member beforehand. Right, but he has a significant amount of stock. Sure, it, probably more after the recent deal. Yeah, yeah. And they talk about the shares getting diluted with the purchase. So I just wonder if that ever plays into into well, effect for him. Well, I'll be real curious to see what he has to say about where they ultimately end up in terms of merger. Because that is going to really dilute his share base. Hey, yes, it will. Logan then says they should go on in. Sandy, where is Shiv? Why is it Shiv here, Roman? Oh, because this is just inner circle. Tom gives him a look like, dude, hmm. come on, man. I'm right here. Roman says, just kidding. The president will be here soon. Cut the Shiv. She's not going to be there soon. She's at home in her bed. Tom calls and says, what do you, uh, what do you think about this? Um, uh, no, ca- calls in and says, uh, I think they're going to eat it, basically. Yeah, uh, they're okay with this. Yeah, they're going to like it. Sandy is processing it, but Stewie loves it. So he read Stewie the same way that we did, that Stewie really likes the idea. But then he says, okay, now what, what are you going to do with this? Are you coming in? Are you on the way? And she goes, no, I still feel the way I did before. Now, what do you think that was alluding to? I think that she said, I think she offered like a generic, I don't feel well today, I'm sick, when in reality she's still just in a colossal funk over what happened in the last episode. Yeah, probably, but it seemed like she had, it seemed like she had given Tom some sort of like, hey, like a specific thing, right? Because she said, I still feel the way I told you before. She was some line referencing a previous conversation, I felt like. It was, yeah. Um, Yeah. Tom asked about the wedding. Well, what about the wedding? And... Maybe you don't need to go. I think Tom doesn't want to go to this wedding. We've all yeah. had this sort of conversation yeah. with our spouse. Like, hey, hey you know, if, if, if you're you, not feeling well. Right. If you're not up for this, you know, I'm here for you. You know, we don't have to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, look, hey, don't feel like you have to go for me. You know, we've all had that sort of conversation. She says, fuck that. I'd never hear the end of it. Can you imagine? Cut to the board meeting. Gotta say, Frank is a real pro at opening this thing up. Frank is an MC just a professional we've seen that before he ran the whole shareholders meeting basically by himself and he is here to make sure this thing gets started off with as few road bumps as possible i feel like he was doing a great job but yeah. frank um says shiv is not available working on strategy she's working on strategy for instance spencer hey That's perfect perfect explanation oh hey uh uh kendall roy who uh will not be attending due to illness uh that's not actually true uh, anyway, and then um, we will move on to, and then Frank mentions that Ken and Logan are recused because. <laughs> yeah, sure. And Logan uses that as an opportunity to stand directly outside the glass door and watch them. And I guess they muted Kendall or something. They got to drop Kendall from the line or something to recuse him. Yeah. Uh, Logan's, we've seen Logan's definition of recusal before of where, Logan, you need to leave now. We're doing a board vote. Fuck that. Logan is now being willing to not be in the room, which to him means. I'm going to stand directly next to the glass and loom over all of you while you make a decision. Yeah, and it seems like what he's after here is getting the board to okay the go-ahead for the acquisition of Gojo. To to talk to the bankers at the very least to get things moving. And it seems like he got that. Yeah. Um, uh, Stewie, I feel like I'm taking a shit at the Guggenheim. Pretty funny line. (laughs) 
And then she says, can we make a note in the minutes he's watching us? Okay. Sure. sure yeah. So you, know what, you know where these notes are going to go? In an email blast to the shareholders and no one will ever pay attention to it, it again. It is notable that when we got when we go to Logan's perspective outside, it does appear to be soundproof glass because we can't really hear what's being said inside. Oh, no. I don't think he can hear him. Yeah, I don't think he but, can hear him. But his presence is still clearly there. Absolutely. Cut to uh, a private jet. Got a PJ. Still uh, hey, PJs. hey, hey, hey. Didn't they say no private jets? Yeah, and but this is obviously their own money. I don't think this ha- oh, this couldn't possibly be the company's jet, Spencer. I mean, it, they, they adhere to these sorts of rules and it, procedures. It's not like we just saw in another scene that any of the anticipations of the Sandy team haven't been just fully realized, right? It's not like that Logan would just tell you something and then not go forward with it, knowing that he ultimately is going to force you to go along with him anyway, right? I'll say this about that jet. It looked a little small. That cabin looked a little cramped for me. I mean, like, I, I mean, obviously it's better than flying commercial. I'm not saying that, right? Obviously it is. But for a private jet, like, there was not a lot of room on that thing. There was, it was maybe a six-seater. Um, so it didn't, didn't look super comfortable. This is their definition of flying economy. Yeah, there you go. Maybe they think they're not on a private jet. Maybe they think this is, like, commercial. Uh, these have never actually been commercial before. Uh, Shiv is getting on and sees Roman. You sounded dumb at the board meeting. Man, these two are just pulling pigtails and putting gum in your hair and kicking you in the balls. They are just playground at this point. Yep. Roman points out that at least I showed up and Shiv asked, and asked Shiv what she was doing. Great quote here. Brunching with some other sock puppet girl boss presidents. Oh, <laughs> he knows exactly where to hit her. That just has no response and really cuts heavily deep. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people out there who use the girl boss moniker. I mean, I've worked with people who actually put it in their office. Um, these people who were watching this episode <laughs> had their feelings hurt at this line. It's me. <laughs> it's a girl boss president. It is very effectively mean, which Roman is very skilled at. Yeah. Shiv does not show any weakness though. Punches right back says Roman doesn't have a date for Italy. Guess this was a, this is, I guess this is the flight to Italy that they're on right now. <laughs> As one does. Obviously, Roman doesn't have a date. We're not surprised about that. Roman then says he had Peter Onion's rat fucked, which, it, let me translate for the uninitiated to succession. This means um, Peter, the guy who is going to marry his mother, mm-hmm. he had him uh, background. Right. Research. And looked into. Rat fucked. They say, they've said this before. Um, it is a term. It basically means we look at backgrounding, backgrounding these people. Uh, the guy's a fucking slime badger. Three bankruptcies, two marriages, four children, and five shell companies and a partridge in the pear tree, apparently. Uh, he goes on to explain he's a big investor in shitty nursing homes. Uh, Spencer, I don't know if you've uh, ever gotten into this uh, sector before or done any research into it. But there is an entire like world out there of like crime stories and like 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 crime enterprises that you oh, can yeah. research. Of people taking advantage of people in nursing homes, of owning nursing homes and doing like sketchy ass shit to them, sketchy ass shit to the patients, giving them fake medicine. I mean, all kinds of crap that's gone on out there. It is industrial scale elder abuse. It, invo- it involves everything from, you know, crimes and crimes related to mortality to just outright theft all rolled together. Yeah. So when he said this, I like had a big neon light flashing like, uh oh, oh, could be a real big problem. Roman says he's asked mom if they can talk to her, quote, but I think we should do it together. Shiv completely blows him off. 
uh, Roman, well, at least we can check to see if there's a prenup. I mean, there's a lot of shit in there from divorce, and the guy is clearly on the make. So, yeah, Shiv, fuck it. She's probably in sexual thrall to him. There is nothing we can do. Um, this is which so- you know it's interesting here because yeah. obviously Shiv is concerned. She she approaches this with her mother later. I don't. Th- I think Roman could have came up to her and been like, "If you, I need you to send one text to someone right now to save a hundred dying children." And Shiv would have said, "Fuck you." Like yeah. I don't think is anything Roman could have asked her that she would have cooperated with at this point. I, I think I very much agree with that. And I think we can see that later when Shiv does directly broach the subject to her mom. This it. This is Roman caring about his family the way that Roman always does when he's not shoving them downstairs or constantly insulting them or making weird sexual come-ons. He does have a care for his family, and he clearly is worried about this. And as you said, Shiv's not in a mindset to agree with him about anything, but I think she does take it to heart. Absolutely. Roman, let her? Okay, then let him kill her for her emeralds and screw us out of the firm. See if I care. Tom brings up the deal, and Roman tries to shut it down by saying, well, you guys aren't really a part of that. Rome, Shiv pushes back on that, basically like, hey, fuck you, Roman. Roman, I can't quite fire you because I'm still a little scared of you. But my thinking is when I take over, I'm going to put you in the office next to mine and you're going to be my sexy secretary. I'm with Shiv on this one. The fuck is wrong with you? Can you... I know no, I always go no, back to this don't answer. ask this question. I know where you're going. I'm not answering. Well, I don't know how... What other frame of reference do we have for how crazy it is? I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it's just so off the deep end it's it's hard to even give a a moral compass to how weird this comment is i I can't even just put myself in a headspace to imagine a scenario where i would say that to my sister it would never occur to me to even go in that go in that particular vein i will be curious to see what more they make of this because they've been building this consistently over the course season we talked about season one that yeah that's that's some weird incesty kind of dialogue out of roman it has been only increasing over time. Absolutely. Uh, even Tom at this point like notices it and grimaces at how uncomfortable. It's insulting, but also just wildly uncomfortable it is. Shiv just screams, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, Roman, then, I don't know, we're working on it. Ongoing process. <laughs> Fair. Cut to a succession scene. String music playing while the family gets in and out of black SUVs. We see Kendall getting out. Uh, he's in very plain clothes and a shaved head. Mm-hmm. Coming back from the front, as his mother puts it later. <laughs> Ugh. He doesn't look good. And he's no. not acting good. No, this... Well, he doesn't look good. He's not acting good. But he's talking a lot more grounded sense than he has all season previously. I guess. But he still seems... You know, last episode I talked about how um, it seems to me... You, I mean, it's first off, it's a fictional character, so you can't really diagnose a fictional yeah, character yeah, yeah. anyway. But it seems to me that he's a manic depressive, and that he's now dipped and he's in a depressive state, and it seems as though he's still in that state. It's also That's what it looks like to me. It's also apparent in this episode that he's drinking again in a way we did not see as much of previously in the season. Well, I talked about that in a previous episode. Remember, yeah. I brought up specifically that he they made a point of showing him in the middle of the day with hard liquor in his hand. Yeah, the entire party he was drinking. Um, and then, of course, in this episode, he's drinking a lot, too. So I think they've been building toward this, yeah, right? Like, I agree. He's not doing, he's not on, he's not, that we can see on drugs, but it does seem that he has substituted that with some very heavy drinking that, that obviously culminates in the apex of the episode, which we'll get to. Cut to Carolina, Carolina Collingwood. Indeed, most Carol- British name possible. Carolina Collingwood. I, my American tongue can't even get it out. The mother 
who going over to greet Kendall, did you just come back from the front? Kendall, yeah, I felt like it. I'm stripping down. So even in his depression, he can still be a douche. I'm stripping yeah. down. She then greets her grandchildren with all the warmth of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Caroline then sends the kids off to the house, speaking Italian. Everybody apparently fucking speaks Italian. It's the surprising. Family. They all do. Yeah. Well, Easter and Shiv. Caroline, you look rather tired talking to Kendall. Kendall says, well, thanks, Mom. And she says, look, Peter's printed out an itinerary of events, okay? Nice to have an organized we, wedding. Could we divvy them up? And he's like, what? And he's like... When, when she what? first said that, I assumed that she was saying, I don't want to go to all of these or host, so can you manage a few? My brain did not go to, I can't have you coming to most of these. Yeah, because your father is here, and he would rather not be together with you. Kendall, with a great quote, what? What is your son getting? And what is your ex-husband who you hate getting? <laughs> Which is a great fucking point. She cannot let a moment go without telling you how much she hates Logan. But yet she is willing to have her son not participate in at least half the events. But it's not her. So that, Col- so that fucking Logan can go to them. It's not her. It's it's Bridezilla over there. He He wants to have all the important people around during the key events. Which, implication, doesn't include you. Which is even more insulting. It's just, you know, Kendall is already... This is the thing about Caroline. She's an awful mother. It's pretty clear. I'm willing to go ahead and say that. Yeah. Because, first off, she even says she's an awful mother later in the episode. Unironically, it doesn't seem like she's drunk. It just seems like she's just saying it. But she has got to know at this point that Kendall goes through ups and downs. How can you have this child and not know that? And this is obviously a down to the point that he shaved his fucking head. And he's walking around moping... And he's, he's down, and in this state is when she decides to say, you know what, I'd rather not have yet half the events. Why? Well, because my husband-to-be only wants important people at those. Is it fair to say that she has very distinctly different relationships with her three children? That with Kendall, she is at best distant. She has yes. no emotional or connection or warmth going to him at all. And it seems put upon to even be asked to fake it for a few minutes. Roman, the apple of her eye, he's her little likes baby. Roman. Always going to be close to him. Shiv, but does but likes him in a sort of like, almost like a um, like a doddering grandmother, but not in a way that has any real like weight to it. it She's not like, hey Roman, like how's your life? How are you feeling? It's like let me just josh <laughs> with him a little bit and send him away. <laughs> yeah, it's very much let's bring in the five year old for a few minutes so we can play with there him. There you and go. Then he goes. Uh, meanwhile, with Shiv. As she said, sniping. It is combative. It's a fucking 30-year knife fight between these two. Like, yeah. they, they hate each other. You're going to score. just complete villains. I want your full boxing score of the fight we get later. Because, man, oh, is gonna, that yeah. a blood sport. Uh, cut to Shiv getting out of an SUV. She also speaks Italian. Cut to Connor. Great Connor and Wyla episode. Great. <laughs> That's a Great. word for it. That's a word for it. I love Wyla. You know, she is obviously, like come from white trash you know like now found herself in this world because she just goes italy pizza pasta and popes (laughs) i I love how excited she always is this is still all new to her and she's just happy to be here in the way the rest of them just jaded she asked connor if he had ever met a pope he did yeah he met a pope proper fat him and his dad met met one a few few popes back full fat pope very religious full full on pope drank the kool-aid yeah fully leaded pope Wyla asks Connor if everything is okay, and he seems pretty distracted. Mm. Connor says, he's looking at his phone, he says, a guy from Politico is asking for more information on her. 
He wants her background, where she went to school, all this stuff. Employment this stuff that you would do <laughs> if someone was actually taking him seriously as mm-hmm. a political reporter and they were doing any kind of vetting into him and his personal life. These are the questions you would ask. Yep. And uh, they ponder, you know, maybe he's going to be friendly. You know, it's Politico asking questions about a, about a candidate for office. Yeah, they've never they've never asked a ne- they've never printed a negative article about a candidate before. As Wyla says, because journalists are so fucking friendly, in my experience. Yeah, this isn't good. I found that I found that comment ironic because I never see any warmth from Wyla to Connor. So she's like bashing journalists for not being warm, and it's like you you also like I mean it's not like. Uh, maybe ironic's not the right word, but like the writing is kind of funny that she would be throwing stones in that arena because like no one would ever say Wyla's warm. She's not warm, but she had last episode in particular. She was at least protective. She was at least willing to stand up for Connor in certain moments. Um, yeah. Don't mm-hmm. ask for his fucking coat. <laughs> Cut to Rome and he's at Jerry's room, surprising enough, uh, and ask if she's going to drinks. Jerry says she needs to check with Lori. Lori, Lori, Lori's hey. here. Lori's here. Lori's here. And then tries to move it to business, but Roman goes right back to personal. Lori, 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 you must not stop going on about him. And quite frankly, I find it disgusting. Jerry then, Lori, we're going to, we're going to walk down the hall. We're going to be down the hall. Okay. All right. We'll meet you there. Okay. Roman, we have got to talk. Yeah. (laughs) And this, this is a bit of a revelatory moment when it comes to their relationship of where you and I have been debating constantly that, a basis of their relationship was her being distant and attacking him a little bit and trying to put him off. Is that, We're almost still pondering, is she still playing the game or she just kind of wanted him to go away? I think we have finally established which of those two camps is correct. That Oh, no, no, no. He's sexually harassing her and that's not okay. Yeah, he has absolutely crossed the line. She has been trying to tell him over and over again it's not okay. Um, yeah, he's sexually harassing her for sure. At what Roman? Let, what Roman? Let me full stop here. We're going to joke a lot in this episode, yeah, because it's fucking succession and the whole thing is absurd. It's absurdist. But what he is doing here is not okay in any situation. Men out there, let me get all my guys in the locker room real quick, okay? Ladies, we're here, you we're can here, press man. the. Go, yeah. uh, anybody identifying as female, you can go ahead and click the thirty second thing. Um, guys, no dick pics. No unsolicited dick pics. Let's just put a kibosh on that as a whole gender, okay? We're can not we, doing that anymore. It's can, over. Can We're we done. Can we just go even broader just for safety and liability sake? No dick pics to coworkers. Just don't do it. Well, yeah, absolutely. No, just, none to coworkers. None. If, Never unsolicited. Never particularly unsolicited. unsolicited. If if you want spent if you want to send a dick pic, Spencer will draw you up a three page consent contract. And if she signs it, you can send one. But short of that, we're not sending them anymore. I'm All right, gonna, guys? I'm going to warn you right now. Dick pic contracts require both a notary and two witnesses. So it's a thing, guys. You really got to get invested pretty, in this. It's going to be pretty embarrassing in front of that notary. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've never met a notary that's not like a 45-year-old woman. You also haven't seen the notary stamp for that particular contract. It is unique. <laughs> I'm just going to say no more dick pics. So okay. what is going on here is Roman is sending unsolicited dick pics to Jerry over and over again. And she's very firm with him in this conversation. You need to stop doing that, Roman. I'm kind of offended. Okay. And then he says, I feel like you do want them, but you're being kind of typically minxy. So I do think that like part of the, the th- so this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, right? Yeah. So part of the basis of their initial sexual encounter or whatever you want to call it was her playing a role. Mm-hmm. And I think that Roman has gotten completely befuddled in that. And he can, he's not hearing no. Now, he's not hearing no 
in part because of how they started. But at this point, in my opinion, he's not hearing no because he doesn't want to hear no. Yeah. She's we, saying it clearly. It's leaning much more towards that. I mean, it, Earlier on, you could say, oh, he's just hopeful and a little bit confused. Like, no, he's directly denying very clear evidence and statements that you, sir, are committing sexual harassment. And this woman is trying to be as polite as possible for what could really be an issue going forward. Ah, it will be. I think this happens when you are under pressure, but you need to find some other outlet room. And I think she's spot the fuck on. When yeah. he ha- when he's under pressure, he acts out sexually. We've seen it over and over again. <clears throat> Roman blows off the psychoanalysis in a Spencer-esque way. If you ever try to psychoanalyze Spencer, you're going to get the same thing that Roman just did right then. Okay, I'll talk to you later. All right, see you. Bye. All right, talk to you later. <laughs> I, those exact words. Yeah, pretty much right there. Right down the hallway. Yeah, just gone. <laughs> see you in six but months. Gone. <laughs> But she's right in what she's saying. And I think that's part of why he gets like sort of like, ah, I got to go. Ah, I'm going to get out of this. Cut to the cocktail hour. Ugh, is this bougie. Uh, Roman greets Caroline. So Peter, uh, to you, Spencer. Peter from the Nevers, Lord Massey. Yeah. Didn't put it together. Yeah, it is. Yep. That's Lord Massey from the Nevers. Anyway, Caroline says Roman is worried that she's... It, I love that she does this, right? She's like right in front of everybody. Like Roman has obviously talked to her about his concerns about Peter. He comes up. Peter is right there. And she goes, oh, Peter, Roman thinks that I'm throwing myself away by marrying you. Like she just completely brings it up. Yeah. yeah. Just throws you under the bus and then asks you to have a conversation afterwards. Appreciate it, Mom. Thanks. Roman asks how business is. I hear you are big in the old silvery gulags. <laughs> Yep. Peter says he likes to turn around nursing home like he's some sort of philanthropist. Like he's doing this for the good of the people, you know. Like, yeah, hey, look, you know, I'm just trying to help here. Yeah, I look at the operations, Jesus. I trim the fat. Which is a horrible thing to kind of ponder out for a nursing home, but sure. Yeah, I don't know that lean and mean is the way I really want to run a nursing home. Um, I'm not sure that that's what you need in that sector. Caroline and Peter laugh and Peter walks away. Caroline, he is awful. I can obviously see that. So she doesn't even like him. I mean, but she, this lady. Why, why is she here? Why, why, she, why? She, she explains it in just a second. She explains yeah. it. She says he brought all his own furniture. He's grasping little scholarship boy. So I guess he got a scholarship <laughs> at some point. And he told, told what, what you understand. He's not posh. His father's a doctor, which was a fascinating conversation to unpack. Roman, take it easy, mother. That's my stepfather you're talking about. She says he's forcing her to do the whole wedding thing, but he's great fun. Look at him fizzing away over there like a bottle of cheap Prosecco. What a line! <laughs> great line. Great line. Such a ten out of ten des- line. Gonna use that one again, putting it in my pocket right now. Perfect description of a person right there. I can just see that person. I've seen him in real life. I just didn't know how to describe him. Fizzing away like a bottle of cheap Prosecco. Roman, very cheap. Roman then tries to get serious, but I'm, I'm just going to say, are you sure? The guy's got four kids. Caroline always got a lot more than that, so I don't know if that's real or not. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Reassured. Appreciate it. Roman then asks about the prenup, but she says, well, that's not very romantic, is it? Caroline, what do you what do you expect me to... Then she gets serious here. This yeah. is what they... You, you said, why is she doing this? I paused. I said, she's going to explain it here. This is what she says. What do you expect me to survive on? Macaroni and memorial services? So I think what she's trying to say here in a very Caroline, upper crust British way is, I'm fucking bored. I'm and lonely. I'm old, and I don't have much time left. And I'm lonely. And this guy, 
He's good fun. Look at him. Right. Look at him just sauntering around here in this party, having a grand old time. He entertains me, so I'm marrying him. That's right. the, it does no deeper than that. Because what we picked up previously about her other her other long term squeeze, uh, Rory, I think was his name, something like that. Was Rory. that yeah? He was safe and boring. And it seems like she wants to go with somebody that's exciting and just a certain edge of dangerous associated with him. At least as much as he can among a posh English crowd. But it doesn't seem like that danger part is any part of the appeal right now, right? It, all she ever does is just say, look at him, he's fun! Yeah. Like, I think that's just what well, she's looking for. She, she, seems to, she seems to joke about the various things that one might deem a flaw about him. Like, oh, well, mom, he's got four kids. Oh, he's got way more than that, honey. She seems to find these amusing. Well, when you ha- I, th- I do think when you have a certain amount of money, you start to think you're bulletproof to certain things. And she doesn't seem to find any real risk in this, at least doesn't seem to have been internalized. Cut to Shiv. Spencer, very honest question here for you. Actually, I only have one real honest question for you this episode. You ready for it? So early in the episode. Sure, yeah. Throw yeah, it out. Yeah, just true, true serum. I just injected you with it. Spencer, how does Shiv look this episode? Dressed inappropriately for a wedding was my default reaction. She was. She's, if I was Sarah Snook, I'd look at that and be like, what do you have me wear for she, this wedding? She is spilling out of that thing, and I'm okay with this, but it doesn't seem like it's necessarily seen appropriate given what everybody else is wearing. It's a definition of hip-huggy. Like, yeah. it's unbelievable what she's wearing for this thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm really laughing at it. Um, Shiv walks over to Roman, and Roman says... She says she can't live off macaroni and memorial services. So uh, he's, uh, wait, wait, wait. I want to hear your posh accent say it. She says she can't live off macaroni and memorial services. Well done. Well done. Very Harry Potter. Caroline. Uh, she's, she calls Caroline poor old Eleanor Rigby who wants to eat dick and drink champagne for the rest of her life instead. There you go. I'm going to say this. Roman is absolutely inappropriate with his sister. Sometimes his sometimes Shiv says things and I'm like, whoa. Like well, Shiv says sexual whoa. shit. It's just not directed at an immediate family member in a way that like Roman's sexual shit is I'm suggesting something sexual between the two of us. Ha 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 ha. She's just making sexual jokes about other people, not grounding them in herself. She but she still says things where I'm like Wow, like that's really sexual, and I'm uh, like I'm trying to think of it not through the lens of like a gendered way, right? Like that's oh, that's sexual what? for a sister. I'm trying to think like just think about like as a sibling. Period. Like let's try to take gender out of it. Is that like sort of an over the top sort of blue locker room talk? And sometimes what? I think Shiv gets into it. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I can't what? believe that you're just like show up that foul mouth to this thing like you, she's she's two sentences into this conversation and she's cut right to that you've said before that shiv would have done great as one of the boys in the locker room in terms of the, just the fire she is yes. willing to spit on command and she shows it she is constantly willing to just throw shit on people and smile as she does so yeah it's she's something else man i i i would really like to hang out with shiv like, oh it'd be, I, I it do, would be i don't unless you were top if you were just a friend hanging out with her, great. No, 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 I don't want to date her. No, 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 no. no. Uh-uh. Just clarifying. That sounds miserable, but I'd like to just like casually hang out with her from time to time and yeah. not rely on her for anything. Roman then Go says, dancing apparently, with her? Uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> she seems like a great dancer. Absolutely. Damn straight. <laughs> I'll get my own drink, though. I'll get my yeah. own drink, Chef. Don't, yeah, I don't need you to get me one. Roman then says, apparently we're supposed to hate Peter because he brought his own furniture and got a scholarship. Roman is, uh, I, I'm going to tell you this about Roman. Very bad at the game of telephone. Like, don't have him talk to someone and then come back and report. It's yeah. all just nonsense. Uh, cut to Comfrey talking to Kendall about a podcast he's been asked to sit down for. Mm. Um, 
they're doing some sort of serial series called The Curse of the Roys. And she brings up the kid who is Chappaquiddick, which obviously causes Kendall, who has the, I don't know, poker player face of a seven-year-old. Like, I mean, he just snaps. You, you can see everything written on his face. He immediately stops. He says, well, maybe we should keep tabs on that one. Calls him fucking bottom feeders. And Comfrey asks if she can fuck off. And Kendall says, sure, you're off for the day. It's interesting the other two they mentioned too, because Connor's mom, who we know vaguely was committed in some shape or form, we've heard about before, and yes. Ro- and Rose, his dad's sister. So those two we've heard about past traumas associated with that. So it's interesting these guys have done their research; they're putting things together. So I'd be really curious to know, hey, if they release this as extra content, I would listen to this pod that podcast. The Heart Curse Day. of the Roys, yeah, yeah. it's almost like a lore, like like how they do like the little like Game of Thrones shorts or like with a Wheel of Time. They're doing how, like how great would that be? Stuff. HBO, do that. <laughs> Please do that. As matter of fact, if you need podcasters to perform it for you. <laughs> Happy to uh, do so. Holla at you, boy. Uh, so anyway, Comfrey then walks right up to Greg. Kisses him right on the cheek. Spencer, what'd you think of this move? I was so happy. It seems like she's actually in. I, I, she is in. She is in. He didn't see this coming. He's not. <laughs> she's more. What, Greg? What are you doing? She's in in a way we thought that she was just trying to piss off Kendall about. But no, she actually seemed like she wants to make this work. And no. you are seemingly put off by that. Nope, we're on other sides of this one, Spencer. Nope, Greg's doing the exact right thing. She kissed him on the cheek and could not get through a second sentence without she's, looking at her phone again. It's her job. She's busy. She's vapid. She, well, that that's a little harsh. Okay. I'm trusting Greg in his interpretation Why? of vapidness. Why, Why? Why? would you because trust Why? Greg? Because he has he is obviously wildly attracted to her. And if he's coming away with this criticism, it's got to be over the top. Keep think him, about it. Keep, think keep about him. it. When you, if you like a woman and you 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 think she's attractive sexually, how much, how bad does she have to be at something before you actually admit admit she's bad at it? What is this day two? He has not he hasn't had time to do that yet. He hasn't invested in anything in doing that yet. He's going for. I think he's. I think he's noticed it. I think he's right. I think he's. I don't think it's day two either. I think it's been maybe a little. We don't know how long it's been, we, but I think it's been don't. a little bit. It has time. not been long, and I think he's jumping way too quick, focusing on a, ne- a, a possible negative way too fast, and taking that as grounds to then go after an Italian Comtessa. Good luck. Well, no, I think it's been longer than we think, right? Because what when when did when Roman figured out his mom was getting married? Wasn't it like next month or something? He set a time frame for it in the last episode. Yeah. But still, a month is not. So it's long. been like two or three. Let's 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 conservatively say two or three weeks. That's easily enough time to tell if somebody yeah, is, yeah, is yeah, not yeah. not there with Gre- you mentally. I'm Greg's there with you. Greg's being an idiot. Greg's being an nope. idiot. Nope, he's being discerning. Um, <laughs> no. Greg walks over to Tom and Shiv, and they tell him he's punching above his weight. Which again, hate that. Hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked about this last episode if you're just joining us for the first time I don't ever think anybody should consider themselves in or out of anybody else's weight class I hate that type of thing okay. well, you're gonna Greg say, does too you're going to say that and then we're going to talk about the Italian girl that Greg goes and hits on he's totally look do it shoot your shot yeah. right there with him look I, I don't think anybody is too good for anybody else Greg then asks if there is quote any depth there to Comfrey, and Tom seems put off by the question, as does my co-host, uh, my podcast yeah, co-host. I'm with you. Uh, oh my God, a man dying of thirst has suddenly become a mineral water critic? Does Comfrey not state your lust for wisdom, Greg? That is, is so it, quick. Just, he is so quick. That's so good. That's such a good line. 
it's a shame Sontag is not still alive so you could take her to the drive-thru. You notice in this scene when he does, when he spits that off, which you correctly uh, sussed out, was very, very quick-witted. I don't think Shiv has ever in this series looked at him with more adoration than she does right then. This scene right here, the two of them riffing off Greg, and it's in a way that's it's putting him down, but Greg seems like he's in on the joke and laughing with him, so whatever. Yeah. Well, he starts it, to bail on it toward the he end. Starts, they start to mean as they do. But in this moment, this is the most loving the two of them have ever looked as a couple in maybe a season and a half, two seasons. Because I was trying to get the quote right, and I paused it, and I caught Sarah Snook's face back up at him, and it was like just glowing. Honest smile, like honest, affectionate look at Tom in a way I don't even remember saying. Greg says, maybe I wonder when she gets to know the quote unquote real me if she'll stick around. Shiv then says it could be a great date ladder. See, that screams self-doubt here is what Greg's offering right now. That line right there, that doesn't say a discerning look. That's saying you are you are not comfortable in yourself and you're putting it on them. Uh, no, I th- well, it could be. It very well could be. Um, I kind of took it as, because if he just said that that line in a vacuum, I would take it as that. But with everything else we get... I tend to think that like he's thinking, I'm going to want to talk to her. I'm going to want to get to know her. I'm going to want to talk about deep things or art or what it, what the fuck ever that he thinks she doesn't care about right now. <laughs> Greg? Sure. Yeah. May, why, Maybe. Why do you think not? See, and this is another thing that bugs me is that Tom just assumes that Greg is a man dying of thirst. I don't think that, like, do we know that Greg does poorly with women? Do we, we know? Do we, we know he's not had a girlfriend? Like, this is the only. He data, seems to have a lot of friends. This is the only data point we have, though. It's possible he's had game off camera, but on camera, this is the only example we've seen. So it makes it certainly look like he's been a bit of a man in a wasteland for a while. Yeah, but it seems to me that he's the only people with independent friends in this whole show. That's like fair. he's the only one That's that fair. ever actually has people around who are just like his buddies. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like they they do a lot. Of, they do sometimes. I think to Greg. What our friend PJ, who does the another podcast with me on a, called "As the Wheel of Time Turns," does to you, which is <laughs> that is fair. What BJ does to you is he creates a character of yeah. who you are, yeah. and then gets yeah. disappointed when you don't live up to it. And like that's kind of what they're doing for Greg. They just are creating this character of this bumbling guy who's never had a girlfriend once in his life and is now like found himself with the high school prom queen and it's like well, that, completely lucked into it. And Greg's like, wait a second, that's not really the narrative that I have for myself here, guys. That is a more extreme scenario than I think is actually fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, then we see Roman walk over. They all groan. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Greg then, um, this is, yeah. So they talk about the date ladder game, which mm. we've all talked about this before. You know, you date someone. You, you the David the, Spade, you, if you will. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well said. You can call it that. The David Spade. Um, and then Greg, Greg's like, well, who is that? And he points at someone and she's like, well, yeah, she's nice. Um, but she is royalty. Um, <laughs> is she actually <laughs> a countess? Is she? Seems that way. Okay. Seems that way. Then Roman walks over to her, and it's it's apparent that Roman has established some sort of relationship with her, or hit on her, or something during the course of this. Um, Not they all do anything with it. That. Yeah. No. Of course. Whoa. There you go. Uh, Chev then um, seems to want her to be blocked from him. Right. <laughs> Like, we need to get her away from him. Mm-hmm. Shiv then gets a ding on her phone. It's from Carolina, and it's a tweet of Madsen. Going to McCall, feeling lucky. Ching, ching. With all 
gold pouring out of his mouth yeah. is the tweet. Um, this was very... They'll try to make sense of it. This is Go very... Ahead. They're going very Elon Musk with this. Yes, that's exactly who this character is. He's yes. Elon Musk. Uh, they all try to make sense of it. Roman calls him... Uh, actually calls him, Hey, Lucas, uh, are you high? I think you need to put down the Vinti Ayahuasca Big Gulp. Uh, we need to be inside track here on these tweets, man, okay? Roman tries to brush aside Shiv and everyone's concerned. In, a, in comes Kendall. Is that Kendall Roy's music? Yeah. It just shows up Water's with in. the phone, pulls the phone up. Uh, hey, nice work, Rob. Madsen going nut nut. <laughs> it seems like their main concern here is that either A, this is stabilizing or might inform regulatory authorities. B, it might also just drive the hell out of the hell up out of the share price. I think that's that's a yeah twofold those concern. things and I also I also think that this guy probably has a history of like doing exactly what Elon Musk does yes weird tweeting that actually does affect like the price of some like <laughs> equities Dogecoin you know? yeah like because so, I mean Elon Musk very clearly does this like he he does some tweets and some things that like affect the price of some assets yeah. And it looks like maybe this guy has a history of that too, so they're all really worried about it. Also, I think they're just genuinely worried he might just be fucking crazy, which is Logan's primary concern. Mm-hmm. Roman asks him where he's off to, makes a drug joke because obligatory that family can't talk to Kendall without mentioning that he's a drug addict. Kendall, just our mother, throwing us out of her party. Roman, oh, nice! <laughs> what a dick. Ken then notices he doesn't know where his kids are. Roman, what a surprise. Ken doesn't know where his kids are. Oh. Funny. Cut to Connor. Who says, look, I might not ignite. Okay. I might not. I might not. No. Nope. You know, hey, Spencer, just, I mean, I know I know you thought this was a done deal, but I might not. Okay. I'm here. I'm here for you, man. Come on. T- tell There's us about a chance. <laughs> but if I don't, I need to protect this thing. Wyla thinks he's breaking it off. Interesting thing here about this is when she, th- we got a brief moment of this. When she thought he was breaking it off, what did she do, Spencer? Uh, she... She, she panicked. She panicked and started proposing counter scenarios to avoid doing so. It's like, oh, what if we, what if we take it underground again? That was fun, right? We enjoyed that. This is what happens when somebody's being broken up with who doesn't want to be broken up with. The well, first thing they say is, oh, hell, well, but wait a second. I don't, I don't have to be so demanding. Look, we can just take it easy. We can, they start doing the, it's the, it's well, the stages of grief, right? They start doing the, like, okay, well, let's, let's start negotiating here. And I, she jumps into that, which tells me. She does like this arrangement with Connor. Well, is she still being paid? Do we know whether she's still on hourly here? We do not know. I, she can't be on hourly because Connor doesn't have that much money, but she might be on retainer of some kind. I'm expecting something. It's hard to know what this current state of their relationship is, but at least at present, she's worried that it's not that it's not going to go anywhere based on what he's saying right now. Whatever it is, she doesn't want it to go away. Yes. And I don't know if that's... Some I don't know if it's Connor or the money or the lifestyle or the privilege, whatever it is, she doesn't want it to go away. She wants to meet clear. fat like, popes. Yeah, full fat popes. Who doesn't want to? Yeah. Um, she says, he finally says, no, actually, I'm asking to marry you. Gets down on one knee. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, again, you know, I hate to be telling my gender what to do all the time, but like this sort of like public, I'm just going to ask you to marry me without any sort of like like giving her a fair warning it just doesn't seem fair like it just seems like an unfair position to put your partner in cannot recommend bad thing to do yeah it doesn't seem good but anyway they they start talking through gritted teeth while they're smiling and 
if you're looking from the outside, which they do a good job of showing like a, a few shots away, if you're looking from the outside, it looks like they're both smiling and happy. And she said, yes. In reality, what happened is she threw gritted teeth, said, well, can I think about it? And he said, sure. Yeah. So high romance is what I would call this. High and, romance. And yet somehow this is maybe... Jane Austen-esque. This is somehow maybe the third most awkward scene of this episode. Oh, it's not nowhere near. It might even not make the top five. Uh, cut to Jerry, and she mentions that Gojo's price is spiking. He did it. Elon All Musk did according it. to plan. Roman then says Madsen likes them. I can feel it in my gut. He likes us. Then they get another nutty tweet from Madsen, which apparently is a video game controller, an eggplant, and emoji fingers. Question to you, Spencer. Of the percent time that an eggplant emoji has been tweeted out in the history of the universe... How many percent do you think it's actually been about an eggplant? Under five? And that's probably even being generous? I think at this point, if you do send someone like a tweet or a, a, a let's say a text message and you use an eggplant emoji and you actually meet it as an eggplant, you're going to confuse them because they're going to think now, it's penis. Someone could literally ask you, hey, what kind of lasagna do you want? And you just send them an eggplant emoji and they're going to assume you're just talking And they're going to say, hey, wait a second. I was listening to a podcast where they said you're not allowed to send these types of texts anymore. Okay? They said no more. No more of the dick pics. All right? This is the fact of the eggplant emoji. It has no use anymore to talk about the food. Schiff says, if they blow this deal, they could become the Pan-American Waystar Blockbuster Video Game Dial-Up Corporation. I'm going to pause there. I'm going to ask you a question about the plot. And I'm actually going to, before I ask you the question, I'm going to give a little bit of my critique of the episode. And that is, this is a full throttle. This is full fat succession. Yeah. This episode. I'm worried that the plot is flimsy at best. Are you coming with me, man? We talked about this. I'm coming over to your side. I think the plot is becoming pretty flimsy because of things like this. Because it seems now we are meant to believe that Waystar is just, their imminent death is right around the corner. Like, where the hell did this come from? I understand that they have some legacy media stuff, but they also have parks. They've got cruises. They've got other assets. Why are we meant to believe the company is right around the corner from dying? Like, she's... And, and, and the thing is, when she says this thing, nobody pushes back and other people talk about it too. Even fucking Logan talks about how, you know, they might be they might be in trouble in five years if they don't do this deal. It seems like they're giving this sort of flowery background to Waystar's impending financial trouble to justify the drama of the Gojo deal in the plot. And it seems made up out of thin air because they did not give us any context for this before, in my opinion. It seems like we're we're drawing from two things. One, we're drawing from real life. And it's like they're almost operating under the, well, everyone understands that legacy media is under siege and all die. And so it's like, well, we don't really need to lead into that too much. We've kind of vaguely talked about it in prior seasons with Logan pondering what the future would be. And everybody else is just going to understand the situation they're in. So we don't need to go into it more. It's a certain element of that. And B, it seems like this show is getting increasingly okay with just kind of doing excuse plots just to give their actors an opportunity to do just well-written interactions with each other. And that the overarching plot doesn't matter as much just so long as we can set up scenarios for the characters to talk with each other. Pretty much, because it seems like, it almost seems like a show that has read its own reviews a little bit too much. Mm. And people have been like, I love when they're just in a room talking and I love when there's these dramatic scenes. So that's what they're driving toward. And then they just throw in this thing that like, oh God, Waystar is about to go away. I thought they were the Fox News equivalent. Like I thought ATN was the Fox News equivalent. 
Well, it, it, is Fox News legacy media? Yeah, but it's also like the most profitable thing on television right now. Like it's not dead. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't it, it doesn't track with me. I mean, if they're if they're pondering their 10 15 year plan it can make sense to you know do this kind of investment under 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 the reading of what the tea leaves are but the way they're describing it is like you know hey our an- dead. our annual review next year could be rough yeah it just seems the immediacy immediacy see of it seems a little bit too immediate mm. if that makes any sense uh, then in comes Logan and Marsha. I got to tell you, I never seen better chemistry between two people. Oh, is that is that is that, is that how you're going to describe it? Chemistry is the word you use. Chemistry, unbelievable physical chemistry. They hold uh, each other's arms so well. If Shiv points out Marsha and Roman, and sometimes Shiv and Roman have some really funny interactions. They're great with each other, yeah. Because she says, "Oh, look at Marsha," and Roman just goes, "He does not give a single solitary fuck." <laughs> I love, I love the delivery on that line. That was so great. <laughs> it really made me laugh. Tom, maybe it's all fine. Maybe they just share a big bed together and they watch friends together and drink milkshakes. Hey, that sounds great. I'm down. That doesn't sound bad to me at yeah. all. Uh, and you hate friends. That's well established. But I love milkshakes, so I could still come in with this. And laying in bed watching television. Who doesn't like that? Yeah. Caroline comes over to gossip about Logan. Um, Shiv, did you hear the story? Caroline, what? The skunk, the concubine, or the porcupine? <laughs> Most British insult ever. Absolutely. It's probably the best wedding present I'll ever get, but so disgusting carolina asks if she's still fucking if he's still fucking marcia tom says no we think which prompts a look from shiv like you've been you've been keeping track of this is there there a pool i didn't know about (laughs) you you on the you want an email thread that i'm not on like what's going on here (laughs) caroline jokes that uh he might kill over if he tries gonna doubt that because i think he's actually getting it done in other other avenues Mm. caroline says uh she now has to go around telling everyone to be discreet so i guess She's making the joke that everyone's going to be make, going to be making jokes about Logan and Marsha, and she's oh, saying, did, "I'm going to tell everybody to be discreet." Did, did everyone see Logan's mistress? Oh yes, we've agreed not to talk about it. So don't discuss Logan's mistress. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. To every yeah, single person, the, you, see, you see the woman next to him that we all know that you guys have been talking about. He's been fucking. Yeah, don't talk about that. Absolutely don't. She then reminds Shiv about the awful thing later on. Oh, if my mother knew, she'd roll over in a grave. Can we also comment on something? It seems Marcia is directly aware of the mistress thing and does not give a shit. No. Mm -mm. Their relationship has changed, or at least has established set terms now on this subject. Well, I mean, it is. Carrie does pull him away from Marcia, and Marcia seems to not care. And as a matter of fact, they, they, they give the actress, like, physical posturing to, to show the audience that she doesn't care. Because she does the... Um, the universal look of I don't give a fuck, which is chin up to the left. Yeah. Chin up to the left is I don't care. That's what that's what she's doing. <laughs> yep, that's that's what we're getting from her. Um so Caroline basically is saying this awful thing, it's her bachelorette party. Yeah. That she's shit they've been set up. And Peter's having one too, which that's the one I want more information <laughs> on. We didn't we didn't get near enough information on that. Mm-hmm. Cut to Peter walking up to Logan and cringe, my friend. Oh, this is cringy. It's not good. Um, It's not good. Logan, Peter, who are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, Staying ahead of the inland revenue for American scrubs like me. Inland revenue is the equivalent of the IRS in a lot of European countries. Logan says, uh, anything I can do, just let me know. I think he expected Peter to say, thanks, Logan, and then move Appreciate right it. on. Nope. But he Pe- did not. Peter has a list. Yeah, he basically says, I want to know your contacts in UK government. Why, Spencer? He wants to give back. 
that that that's what he says. I think Logan's read on the situation is probably more accurate. Yeah, so Carrie saves him from the conversation. Roman comes over and asks what Peter wanted. Logan, quote, he wants me to get the dipshits in Downing Street to make him Lord fucking seat sniffer of pantyhose. Well said. I think that's an official position in the UK, right? <laughs> Groom of the stool well, and that's that. not an ofi- That's not an official position. Too many people fill that role. In UK oh, government. damn. It's not, not just one. Um, Logan then asks him about the tweet. I'm not used to negotiating via eggplant. <laughs> One of the funniest lines in the episode. I love that line and that delivery. It's really so deadpan. It's always interesting to me, you know, Logan just sort of, he is a main character, but we don't get, like, I'll, I'll equate this to, like, fantasy novels. Like, you don't get a lot of POV, right, from right. Logan. Yeah, yeah. But he's there. And so you never really know how much of the technology or the tech speak or whatever does he understand. And in this episode, it seems like he understands a little bit more than maybe I would have anticipated. Mm-hmm. Like he understands I, the crazy text. He back. understands the eggplant joke. He understands, like when, when Roman says dick pic, he's like, he gives him a look like he's a hundred years old. He's like, we fucking probably invented the term. Yes, I know what that means, you idiot. Like, I, we discussed this. You bang 30 year olds, you gain a certain degree of youthful understanding of the modern world. It, it, it's a win-win. You probably run into people in your profession that stay relevant that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no more said on that. Ken then comes over. Roman tries to block him, but Ken keeps pushing. Bip, 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 bip. Yep, bip, bip. You have broken our deal, I think is something that, that Roman says. He does, yeah. <laughs> Ken finally says, look, I want to talk to you, pal. I want to talk to you. Uh, basically, what the impression I got from Ken was he's just sick of being sidelined because Logan won't talk to him and he thinks it's stupid and he just wants to have a conversation. It is stupid. They should just have a conversation. Logan then says, we'll get back to him. <laughs> Roman, <laughs> we'll get back to you. Ken, fuck you, Roman. Ugh. Roman then says, um, Logan then asks Roman if he should go. So in this interaction, I think what we get is that Logan is really confiding and talking to Roman a lot oh, more yeah. lately. R- Roman's number um, one son right now. He's number one son right now. Nothing could possibly happen in this episode to disrupt that. Absolutely not. Roman says, look, you should go, but you might want to wear a stab vest. Uh, Roman then there. goes over the line. Then he always does. He goes over the line and he says, you want me to go with you? And Logan, fuck off. I'm not scared. But Logan he does agree. some rooms to talk to Matson. Yeah, he does agree to go. Cut to more traveling. All the women apparently um, are getting out and they're going into city. This is the bachelorette party. It does not look like a load of fun. Have you been to Italy before, by the way? No. If you go at some point, wandering around mountainous Italy is a hell of a good experience. Just wandering the streets. It is a lot of fun. Does not look like these people are having much fun doing so, though. Yeah, it looks like they're... This looks like Rome, maybe? I can't really tell where they are. They're at some, I mean, they were at some villa previously, but they've gone to a town nearby. I can't tell how big of a one it is. Yeah, but it... it I don't know. Some of the images I've seen of Rome, it's very similar. Um... Where they filmed it may not be where they're actually supposed to be setting it. That could be a different criteria, too. Right. As they're walking, we see a lot of guys looking at Shiv and Wyla. Can't understand why. Uh, They walk up to a restaurant, cut tonight, and Shiv walks up to Caroline. And this is a very fucking uncomfortable scene. I I will say, also very accurate, Italian guys give two shits about hitting on women in the streets. Doesn't matter if they're walking with a guy in arm, they will still hit on her as they're going by. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Impressive is the word I went with. It's also other things, too. Yeah, also also ready to get socked in the mouth. Um, 
so then Caroline says to Shiv, what do you think of Peter's daughters? They're both in interior design. They are unemployed. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, the <laughs> elitist sort of nature. Yeah. Um, Shiv, they offered to take photos, and I think they exported my address book. Pretty sure they didn't do that. Caroline is taken aback by this, but uh, Shiv then brings up the prenub. Shiv then says, look, if you're not going to get a prenub, at least get a good lawyer. Caroline says they're having to open back up the divorce agreement with Logan because Peter likes some particular property. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have one of his own because he lost it in a salmon-smoking business bad luck. Yeah, anytime, anytime we have friends with... with uh, with financial pro- problems, Spencer, can we just start calling it losing losing money in the salmon smoking business? I'm down. This is the new expression now. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> Caroline uh, then says he's got a good heart. Shiv, well, opposites attract. Oh, there's the first one. Ah, and oh. let's get her ready, Rumba. We got uh, the first fi- first punch landed of round one. And there was no joking in that. That was I have an opportunity to cut you right now, and I'm taking it. Caroline asks, can we just enjoy a cigarette and not do any sniping for a bit? Or have you come to get some attention? Boom, a counterpunch. Oh. Didn't see that coming. And she, it looked like her hands she were She hit it in there. Hit it in there. Looked, looked like she was in full block mode, but she got the counter jab going. Caroline admits she was a spotty mother. And Shiv says, well, you weren't really like a spotty mother. You just, you just weren't there. Like you just, you weren't around. Then they go into the kids and Caroline, a little bit of the history, uh, apparently about... Um, Caroline did give Logan custody of the kids so that they could keep the, her, and her explanation yeah. is so that they could keep their shares. She was protecting their future financial interest, you see. Spencer, do you buy that? I don't think... Caroline doesn't really seem inclined to lie. She seems like she tells the truth. It's just in a self-serving way. So I don't think she's wrong. I think it is definitely from her point of view, though. So she, I... Yeah. She tells the truth like the, the main character Wheel of Time tells the truth, which is like... You have to tell the truth, but you can be misleading if you want to. Right. That's what I thought. That's what I got from that, right? Because it was like, I think she's telling the truth that part of her decision making was like, well, it's smart for them to go with Logan because Logan will give them shares of the company, et cetera, et cetera, right? That is important. That's probably, but I also think she didn't want the kids. I, I, I think that's the issue. I think she's literally correct that, yeah, this was protecting their future financial interests. I think she's also not lying when she says, Shiv chose this. But I'll have the carbonara and daddy, please. <laughs> I think she's leaving out the idea that she didn't really want him. And two, she's not focusing enough on the fact that Shiv was 10 and or 13 at the time. Caroline then goes into self-pity and says, I don't think I've ever won a single battle in my whole life. Sure, Mm. Shiv does not seem to feel sorry for her, does not go down the self-pity road at all. Shiv, I was 10, Mom. I was a fucking kid, Caroline. You were 13 and you knew how to twist the knife. You knew then and you know now. And I might cry. Shiv, oh yeah, where's the onion? Caroline, you were quite a piece of work. You were my onion. You are my onion. Shiv, that, that's a powerful line. And Shiv can basically just only throw it back in her face. Just like, well, you're, yeah, that, you're, you're my onion too. I didn't even write that. It was so, that was so weak. I didn't even write it down. Um, Caroline, truth <laughs> is, I, I probably should have never had children. Oh, God. Right in the gut. You made the right decision. People just aren't made to be mothers. Oh, you should have Christ. had dogs. Shiv, well, you could have had dogs. Caroline, not with your father. Potential line of the episode. Ooh, ooh, he yeah, never please. saw anything he loved that he didn't want to kick it just to see if it would still come back. Was there a greater truism ever Whoa. offered in terms of describing Logan? Jesus Whoa. Christ. Character summarized in a sentence. Did you? Did we expect the best summary of Logan to come out of this fucking conversation? I, again, this is the thing about Caroline. Or is, is Carolina or whatever Collingwood? She 
is what she's remarkably perceptive her own way. She's just self-absorbed and doesn't give a shit. I think she's a hundred percent right about Logan, and Absolutely. I got massive Kindle history vibes in that converse in that yeah. comment. Oh, Kindle is a kick puppy. Kick it just to see if it'll come back. And she's like, I'm not having puppies around that fucking guy. He's just going to kick the dogs. <laughs> I think she literally means it. And we've, seen, um, we've seen that with his relationship with all of his kids over the course of the last three seasons. It is what he runs on. You asked me to score the fight. Um, yes, if the please. fight, if the purpose of the fight is to insult and hurt the other person, I'm going to go Caroline 10, Shiv 9. It's a 10-9 it's a round. Caroline wins the round. And it, she wins because of the, the haymaker get, get, that gets landed in the end, which is, I should have never had kids. And, and you are making the right call. You wouldn't be a good mother either. Throw that on there, too. With that combined line, is Shiv on the mat? Is she even standing at the end of this fight? Uh, I think it's one of those where, you know, the, the, the flurry of punches and then the the, the, it, it, the the bell rings and the fighter falls back into their corner. I, I don't think Shiv was ready. I don't think Shiv had another insult ready to go. I think she was she was toast for that round. Based on how she acts in the next scene, she still is at least a little bit concussed because she is still fighting even though the fight's over. Cut to Jerry coming up to Roman. She tells him that Logan called Madsen and... Shocker, Madsen won't take his calls. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, we know that he probably won't do that because Madsen said he doesn't even want to deal with Logan. He hates Logan. Matter of fact, uh, when's that guy dying? <laughs> yeah, that was the dying? question. Roman, Madsen hates the phone. That's nothing. I told Dad that. Well, a lot of young people don't like the phone. That's true. Um, Roman says he heard from Madsen and all is good. Jerry, well, your dad thinks Madsen's trying to humiliate him. Roman mm-hmm. seems convinced yeah. that yeah. Madsen isn't doing that. He's not doing that. No. No, he is. Trust me. He could be doing something else at the same time, but he's also doing that. He's certainly doing that. Roman tells Jerry she's panicking. She interrupts. She's interrupting a very good night. He's palling around with Lori. I might try to fuck him. See how that fits into our (laughs) disgusting mess. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Pretty funny. Jerry, matter of factly, do not try to fuck Lori. What do you think about going to see Madsen? I love that line from, from, from Jerry. It's just that, no, no, no. He actually will try to fuck Lori. Do not fuck Lori. We're not joking right now. Don't fuck my boy. She just, she just very, very, like, it's like she's got a table of contents of things to discuss in the yeah. conversation. Step and one. And that got thrown in. So now it's like, don't do not fuck Lori. Fuck Lori. Moving okay, on to, what mo- do you think about going to see Matson? <laughs> Moving on to point number two on the itinerary. <laughs> Jerry uh, says Logan needs reassurance before the banker meeting. Roman, heat check situation. Mm-hmm. Feeling himself. Yep. Real hard on himself right now. Ego sky high. So you want me to save the deal. Why don't you say so? Save the deal. Fuck Lori. Lead the company. In the promised land. Fuck Jerry. Notice when he says fuck Jerry, she turns around and looks at him like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be a great week. Uh, I mean, it is important that he is being called upon to make this deal happen. That is a lot of it. That is a hell of an endorsement by both Jerry and Logan when it comes to him and his abilities. They are relying on him to make this work. So, all that's great. His inability to accept where Jerry is and isn't is getting... <laughs> it was never good. It's getting even worse by the minute. It's really uncomfortable right now. Yeah. Cuts to Kendall's place. He's got people cooking. And Logan walks up, but he's got Carrie in tow. Uh-huh. Or his shadow for this season, Carrie. She's never, She doesn't leave aside. Kendall's like, hey, this was supposed to be private, Logan. I'm across a lot of shit. And she's monitoring. Yeah, it's Carrie and Colin. They are always with me. I'm not going somewhere without the two well, of them. Colin was the driver, right? Uh, we don't even know that. We don't necessarily. Because notably, the car hawks the moment Logan says we're leaving. And I think Colin's still there with him. 
So it may just be Colin is just the bodyguard. Kendall accepts that. Kendall sends Carrie and the driver off. Uh, Kendall mentions that Logan was asking all about the menu. menu. Um, you think I'm going to Jim Jones you with an olive? That's pretty funny. Yeah. Jim Jones, uh, wasn't he the guy who made him drink the tang or whatever? Uh, yeah, it, it, was di- it was discount Kool-Aid at Jonestown in northern South America. It was not, not a great moment. A lot, hundreds no, of, a lot of hundreds, people died. Hundreds really of U.S. citizens died. Yeah, horrific. Uh, Logan mentions his people have brought food, and Kendall says, Look, I checked with your folks, got the requirements, I got my guy to make you something. As they sit down, Logan mentions how busy it is. He is. Kendall, as ever, he, Logan explains that Gojo's price is spiking and your pal Matson has got a screw loose. I agree with mm, that. He does. Mm-hmm. Kendall then says he wants to talk to him. Logan, look, I don't want to get into all right now because it's all bullshit, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's all bullshit, I'll just leave. Can we just be civil and not put our guts out all over the table? I don't he's really setting the tone. Yeah, he's setting the tone, and uh, I think Kendall can be. I think we see that. I don't think Logan has it in him to be civil in this kind yeah. of moment with this kind of person. It is really funny that he's like, can we just be civil? And then he proceeds to be astonishingly rude through the conversation. The <sighs> chef brings the food, and Kendall corrects him to tell him which one is Logan's. The, Very the, funny thing here, because yeah. here's what happens. And here's my read on it. I want, I want, to, I want to hear your, your thoughts. Yeah. My read is that Kendall wants to make sure his dad gets the food that fits with his diet. And he sees the chef make a mistake and he corrects it to ensure that his dad gets the right food. Logan thinks he's being fucking poisoned. Logan certainly thinks he's being poisoned. I wasn't sure whether this was Kendall being conscientious or Kendall just trying to do a little joke to lighten the mood. Either way, it does not work. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was saying, I don't know, but it, I took it as like, oh, well, hold on, that one's that one's for dad because he has this special food thing. Mm-hmm. But even if he's making a joke, that what happens next is unbelievable. We we've pondered before what lines still existed on this show. I had thought this line was still there. Nope, gone. Cross. These kids were always a line, and he what? says he. Go ahead. Yeah, because pre- previously, what like the moment of never you can do this again was specifically when Logan hit Iverson. Remember that back in like season one, like smacked yes. him with a can of peas or something. That was a a line that could not be crossed, and everybody accepted it. But now, Logan looks at his food, skeptical. I would say, mm-hmm. "Where are the kids? I'd like to say hello." Kendall's like, "Sure." So he calls Iverson, specifically Iverson, the one kid he hit. Notice that the kids are doing the whole Game of Thrones thing of they're significantly old. They look significantly older than the last time we saw them just due to production. Yeah, they really do. He looks like he's he's gained, like, grown like a foot and a half. Yeah. Uh, And he proceeds to sort of force Iverson to eat the food. He says, do you like mozzarella? And Iverson says, no. And he says, okay, we'll eat this anyway. (laughs) And Iverson, like, looking at his dad, it's like, do I do it? Okay. So he eats it. And he says, yeah, okay, it's okay. Logan, off you go. Carrie's got something in there for you, I think. Kendall looks at him, as astonished as we all are. On There's multiple ways. Ah! It's astonishing that he thinks Kendall's trying to poison him. Yeah. But it's even more fascinating that if, if he thinks Kendall might be trying to poison him, his answer to this <laughs> is to force Kendall's own kid to eat it. Can you think of a more effective power play, by the way? I mean, just no. I wouldn't. It wouldn't have even occurred to me. Wouldn't have even crossed my mind to do that level of evil power play. But Logan, no effort at all summons that to the situation. But fundamentally, what he's saying here is, your kid 
is Im- is about important enough to be my food tester. Yeah. That's about how important yeah. Iverson is in this whole thing. Just keep track of that as we go forward to this conversation. Kendall, who do you think I am? You think I want you dead? I'll be broken when you die. So I think that's true. I think it's true. But I also think the fact that he says I'll be broken when you die is Kendall in his low mode. Yeah. Kendall, that, two, that word two episodes ago, would not have said that last line. He might have said, who do you think I am? Mm-hmm. You think I want you dead? I don't want you dead. But that I'll be broken when you, when you die, yeah. he's in his feelings right now. Very good call. Um, all right. So we've we've seen some shitty things from characters. Logan asking, getting Iverson to eat the food that he thinks might be poisoned. I mean, it's a, it's an A minus on the shitty scale. I mean, it, how, it's really high, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be top three for the whole fucking show. I, mean, I don't want to let the moment go because it's a fucking grimy yeah. move. I mean, it's so grimy. It's also so casual. I mean, some of the bad moments before they've been built up. It's obvious that they're just glorying and being a dick. This one is just so offhand. It's just like, oh, I don't trust the food. Grandson, please come. Let's see if this is arsenic. Yeah. And instead of acknowledging what a grimy thing he just did, instead he twists it and goes, how's Iverson doing? Is he getting better? (laughs) Kendall's like, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, that doesn't. That didn't seem to me like somebody who's who's questioning out of the goodness of their heart. It's it's shining a light on the fact he had that, something wrong with him that, to begin with. That was another poke. That, he's, he's not stopping the poking. Yep. Kendall says he's fine. Kendall says, "Look, uh, I want out. I think I thought I was a knight on horseback." Logan, potential line of the episode. Oh yeah. Life's not knights on horseback. It's a number on a piece of paper. It's a fight for a knife in the mud. That's a hell of a line right there, and it really just embody what Logan's philosophy to every one of these dealings and interactions with other characters is. You this might is as well how him, he sees the world. Yep. That might as well be like the name of his fucking autobiography. You yeah, know, it's a life is a knife for a, a, life is a fight for a knife in the mud because that is how he views everything. Yeah. Kendall says he doesn't really know where his life is going from here, but he can't do jack shit. So here he oh. is. He wants a premium payout and a chunky asset. Something Logan do without shareholder approval, outdoor advertising, podcasting, something. He wants to keep the grat, Jess, and he's gone. Quote, I'm a ghost, divested, off the board, complete disinheritance, won't even speak at your memorial. We're done. Logan okay. says, how do you think about it? Yeah, let's unpack this, because I've told you before, part of the reason I couldn't be in Kendall's camp this season was just the manic self-delusion and self-aggrandizement constantly throughout everything he was doing throughout the entire season. It was cover for all kinds of deep-seated issues that weren't being addressed and all kinds of the psychological problems that we could try to diagnose, but... As depressive as this Kindle is, this is an honest read on his character that we haven't gotten in a long time, and it's coming from himself. When he says, I can't do shit, I can't do jack shit, that is a remarkably honest moment that I think we can only really get out of Kindle on this show. Well, he can do things, right? That's also not fair. Because, well, I mean, he, we've seen him do really good work when he was locked in for Waystar. Uh, better, he, his ceiling is higher than the other kids from what we've seen when he's actually sitting down doing work. I mean, he, remember when he said with the Volter deal, when he actually sat down and like went through the books yeah. and figured out that they were fucking with him on the numbers? Mm-hmm. Like that's something Shiv and Roman could not do. But it's one of those things of where he doesn't view it as in terms of those individual accomplishments. He doesn't look at the pieces. He looks at the whole board. And from his perspective, he can't put together the whole board. He can't complete the puzzle. And that right. is his measure of success. 
that is, I believe he believes he said when he's saying it. I believe he believes yes. it, but I just don't think it's true. And that's why I would I would I would counter Kendall and I'd say, well, you can do things, Kendall. Like you're you're being a little unfair to yourself here. Mm-hmm. But he's in a depressive state, obviously. So he's looking at the worst side of everything now. But here is the thing that makes me fucking insane about Kendall is that, like I we've talked you know we've talked about like you you we've kind of painted this whole season of coverage around like you kind of being on Logan's side, me being on Kendall's side, but the fundamental, like we were fundamentally talking past each other because you were, you, what you were saying is Kendall can't do this. And what I was saying is I can't root for Logan. Not that Kendall can or can't do it. We, it's that I can't root for Logan. So we're kind of talking past each other with the whole right. like tension. We tension pretty much agree. Coverage. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, but, but that's how, you know, whatever we're, we're toward the end now. So we can kind of, you peel the onion as it were but but the thing that kills me here is that does kendall he's does he really think that to way the way to get logan to wrap this all up to do what he wants to grant his wishes is to show his soft underbelly no like that is the worst possible move kendall could have done to try to get logan to do a single fucking thing for him i am not remotely surprised that Logan said, no, I'm fuck you. I'm not, I'll think about it. Maybe I won't do it We've because Kendall this. is leading with weakness. You never lead with weakness with someone like Logan. It's a, it's the dumbest move. And it's just astonishing to me that he does it. I don't know where, I mean, I, I know he's depressed, but you, like he's, you, he has to know you can't lead with weakness with his father. He's seen it before. We've seen it before in terms of their own interactions with each other. The moment you share the moment of weakness, Logan's default reaction is to exploit it and try to get more out of you. As we just heard from his from his ex-wife, he will kick you just to see if you come back. That's what he that's what he runs on. Even if he I says don't... he loves you, even if he does love you, that's how he acts with people. Dad, I want the buyout because I've lost. That that he doesn't give buyouts to people who've lost. No, he doesn't have to. He pay gives you. buyouts to people he has to give buyouts to, and he was willing to give a buyout to Kendall when he thought that he was a formidable opponent. But this yeah. whole like, oh, Dad, I'm I'm a complete piece of shit. Can you please give me two billion dollars? Of course he's not. No, gonna do it. I don't need to anymore. Yeah. Plus, um, I don't actually want you to go away. That was a strategy. Kendall then says, "Wait, you offered Logan? Ah, it was for fun, Logan. Maybe I want you close. You can do the mail." Keep you rattling around. Kendall says, look, we tried that. We actually did try that. And I can't. I thought I could change things, but there are things that you're able to do that I can't. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Logan just looks at him and says, maybe. <laughs> what a what a tension. Whoa, my God. Yeah. What a moment. Cut it with ah. a knife. <laughs> Kendall says, look, you, you've won because you're corrupt and so is the world. Kendall, I'm better than you. You're, you're, you, you, I hate to say this because I love you, but you're kind of evil. Yes, 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 yes. he is. Yeah, no, Logan kind of, is definitely evil. Not kind of. You can debate pragmatic evil as much as you want, but the man's evil. Logan tells him, "Do not talk about things you don't understand." Kendall, well, you're smart, but what you've done is what you've 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 monetized all the fucking the, the American resentments of class and race. And I thought I was just telling folks the weather. Now this is obviously. Fox it, it, News this is commentary. on the nose commentary right here. Yeah, they're talking about Fox News here, and no, not just what, Fox. Rupert, they're, they're talking about cons- they're talking about a certain element of media in general. Rupert Murdoch, what Rupert Murdoch has done. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it monetizing the resentments of class and race of one side of the political spectrum, and 
this hokey, I thought I was just telling folks the weather is something that Rupert Murdoch has done many times. Yes, so yes. they're pulling right from that playbook. Kindle cuts right through it. You turn black bile into silver dollars. Logan, oh, you just noticed, did you? Which also, that's a fair fucking point. That's a fair point. I mean, that's the hypocrisy of all of them. It's like, you're criticizing me and yet you're taking my money. You are all, yeah, your whole life you've lived as upper crust. And you now you've noticed? Now you want to tell me how bad I am? Right. Like, obviously, you're not telling me how bad I am because of what I've done with ATN. You're telling me because we've had this big blow up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it's, it's, it, this is part of our battle. You don't, you don't, you obviously don't care about ATN. Logan, oh, fuck off. Kendallston says, look, I don't give a fuck. It takes a drink. Logan, not everyone can live this life. I'm a great revolutionary. A bit of spice, a bit of fun, a bit of truth. Kindle take issue with truth, Logan. I fucking know things about the world or I wouldn't turn a buck. Fair. Not necessarily nice things. Yeah, All this is true. It's just, it's for a dark purpose. Kindle then says, I don't want to be you. I'm a good guy. Logan looks at him. Beat, beat. How long was that kid alive before oh. he started sucking in? Oh. Jesus Christ, Logan. We were waiting to see this whole season. Was he ever, because you remember... What Kendall did at the end of season two, that heel turn out in public, saying, my dad's the bad guy. My dad's the one that did this. Logan always had We all had thought this. he couldn't do it because of the leverage of the Chappaquiddick incident. And Logan, early on in season three, said, look, I can't talk about that because I helped cover it up yeah. publicly. But now he's playing the card privately with him. And it seems to really hit Kendall hard. Kendall then just goes right back to... I'm better than you, Logan. Sure, you're my son. I did my best. And whenever you fucked up, I cleaned up your shit. And I'm a bad person. Fuck off, kiddo. Good night. Spencer, two questions for you. Yeah, first, score that fight. Because we talked about about Shiv and her mom. Kendall and his dad. Kendall If the point, if the point is to hit and hurt the other person, which is the way I graded the other fight. It's Logan 10, Kendall 8. It's a a lopsided affair. But your question, sir. One, isn't this the case of two people thinking that they're arguing while they're both saying true things? Yeah. No one. They no think one. they're arguing, but everything they're saying is true. Like, Every, they're just, they, everything's they're, okay. They're hitting past each other. And Kendall's not even trying to hit. He just wants out. He doesn't understand why, what benefit is it to you to keep me on the string at all times. I just want to be done. But he just... He, it is still surprising how little the kids understand about their dad. He was never going to let you go, give you a payout of premium money, which you're asking for, with, with you showing weakness. And also, we know that he's considering this Gojo deal, and we know that that might dilute the family shares. So we know that the, quote, payout to Kendall, if he just waits like six months, will probably be half that or whatever. Yeah. So he might be thinking in his own financial interest here as well. Because he's, you know, we established before that he he and Roman were basically just going to pay for the, the shares. Yeah, two, two billion out of pocket kind of shit. And if you dilute his shares and then you give him a payout, well, it's just less money I have to pay. So there might be a bit of strategy here. Two, starting to get into the, starting to get into the cliffhanger here. Is this... The last thing Kendall uh, Logan ever says to Kendall, and if it is, is it apropos? I don't think it's the last thing that Logan says to Kendall. I think people are overemphasizing or misinterpreting the last scene that we see in this episode. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But is it apropos? 
good god, yes. If this was the send-off line, it would be the perfect send-off to their relationship and what it has been. You're my son. I did my best. Whenever you fucked up, I cleaned up your shit, and I'm the bad person. Fuck off, kiddo. Good night. That would be a pretty good last bit of dialogue from those two characters. Anything on that? I mean, this is obviously a big... This is a crescendo scene for the season. What are your thoughts? I mean, they're both wonderful actors. The two of them working together in moments like this is part of the reason I've been disappointed that they've been kind of estranged, just because, good God, are they great working off each other. It is... There are a lot of really powerful scenes this episode. This may be the top in, ter- in, ter- in terms of what we get, what we see and where it goes. It's something else. Um, uh, yeah, I, it's it's a big culminating scene. And it like every scene with Logan and Kendall, it seems that Kendall is not quite ready for it. And Logan just runs over him. And it's, it's frustrating to watch um, that he just doesn't ever learn the lesson. He never learns the lesson. The nature, this show loves to go into the cyclical nature of how these people interact with the world. That they don't learn their lessons and they just have to keep on going through the pain of them over and over and over again. It's Sisyphean, the life these people leave. And I'll leave. give Shiv credit. Leave. Logan would never have been able to run over Shiv the same way in this conversation be why because we've seen it before shiv at least would have stopped and been like hey fuck you like she has that gear mm-hmm. now we we have the added difficult they added sort of like a tension of, of like kindles in a, in a depressive state here but it does seem that every time they get into this dialogue when logan runs over kendall he just eats it yeah and and we know that shiv wouldn't do that like at, at a bare minimum she would at least say, "Hey, look, fuck you." Like, it, uh, and I think there would—I think Kendall needed a little bit of "fuck you" in this conversation. He needed a little bit. The problem, part of the problem, is the only interactions they seem to have is when Kendall and his most, or, or Kendall's in his most depressive sp- states. So it's never Kendall at his most punchy or best. Cut to Shiv coming in the room to see Tom. She says her night was bad. Talks about the bachelor party. Um, Tom talks about the bachelor party. Here's his summary. Roman implied Peter might have killed his first wife, and then he tried to goad Peter into uh, goad, Lori. Goad, goad Lori into talking indelicately about Jerry. Well, we knew that last part. We got yeah, absolutely. He's going to peel in, yeah, try to figure out some of the, the sex life between those two. You knew that was going to happen. Shiv gives him a big kiss and says, "Let's have a baby. I'm going to fucking fight, Tom." So she's she's in front. She's got her boxing gloves on. She's in front of the mirror. She's talking herself up. She's saying, "Look, it's not going to be given to me." I, th- I used to think, basically, I used to think that it was dad was going to give it to me. He's not going to give it to me. I have to take it. I have to beat them all. And I could do that because I'm smarter than them. This is Shiv basically shouting to the shouting to the night, I will not be my mother. Because, man, did that conversation rattle her that she just had. Yep. She comes back. She wants to have a kid. And by God, she's going to be successful. She's going to get wins. She's mm-hmm. not going to be sitting there at 65 saying, I've never had a win in my life. Damn straight now. Let's see how that plays out right here, right now, shall we? Yeah, Tom's with her. Hey, he's with her. But you know, w- w- you, that plan you had there that you just said about burning yeah, down uh, ATN. What about what about, I, me? I mean, what about me? And, oh yeah, well, except yeah, sure. Except for you, Shivin says she was well, going to blow up Roman, and then when that happens, she'll be the only candidate left. Shiv then proposes a bit of playtime, and it's trouble. Yeah. Uh... I can't recommend their particular form of role play that they quickly get into because, dear Christ. So here's, here's what I've discovered about Shiv. Yeah, please. You wouldn't expect it, but she wants to be a, she wants 
to be uh, uh, she wants to be dom. She wants to be with a dom in bed. Like she seems to want to be like her go to is like do something to me. Come on, do yeah. something to me. And Tom's go to is do something to me. Do something to me. Yeah, so they don't two square. People standing in a ring saying punch me. What like, do you need? Nobody has gloves on. What like, do you need to be a switch right now? Come on, you can make this work. Like neither one of them want to fill that dom role in, in this weird like thing, sexual thing that they're doing. So it's super uncomfortable, and it seems uncomfortable for them because neither one of them know what to do. And what does Shiv do? The worst possible thing she can do. Because she goes to a she goes too real, too real, extremely real place, and says this: "You're not good enough for me. No, I'm way out of your fucking league. That's why you want me. That's why you love me, even though I don't love you, but you want me anyway." Yeah, and, and Tom's horny enough; he's willing to go along with the scenario. But you can see in his face, he's like, "Ooh, we're gonna unpack that one later." That was. I mean that she just basically too mean. Pull, she pulled out like from from the from the dungeon like the innate fundamental original sin of their relationship and just shone a light on it. Yeah, like the, the, it's this, unbelievable. Tom Tom needs to stay for it in this role play because he's out now. He's like nope, nope, the mood's dead. He didn't Bl- seem too out. He went he went in. Yeah, he, he did finish the job. It seems. Yeah, he finished the job, but he's still talking about it the next day. Yeah, cut to the next morning. Connor walks up to Wiley, says hello, and asks her if she slept well. Yeah, lots of sleep. Looks like she's hungover from the bachelor party. Bachelor mm-hmm. party. Uh, and he looks like he woke her up and asked her to come to breakfast. Uh, Connor's asking her what she's thinking, and she says, still thinking, big decision, real life decision, thinking away. Connor, this much thinking can start to get unromantic. Just saying. Do you think she's going to say yeah? Yes, I do. I do for, I pure, for purely monetary reasons. Yeah, it seems like she's doing the calculation. Uh, cut to my guy, Greg. Going up to the Duchess. <laughs> I love Greg. Yeah? I love him. Yeah, score this interaction, please. How would we grade... You, you, you did, you, we talked before about how well he did with Comfrey. Is that her name? I was Comfrey, her name. yeah. Comfrey. Her, yeah. How well he did in the last conversation with Comfrey. I think it's fair to say this one doesn't land quite as well. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, it's a little hard. I'm trying to think of an example of friends that we have. I don't think I have one. It's trying to. It's kind of hard to grade his interactions on an individual interactive basis, right? Because it's there's true. a whole shtick to Greg. It's true. And yes, he's going to have instances where he looks like he's fumbling and sort of bumbling about. It's but in reality, it's who he is and his charm. He's, be, he's becoming more charming. So it's kind of hard, right? Yeah. It, it, he's, so he's pretty quickly encouraging people to let down their barriers a bit around him. He said, I've overheard that maybe you were part of a titled monarchical situation. <laughs> she says, yeah. But she also works as an online brand ambassador for fermented yogurt. And he says, I've had that. It's a gut cleansing treat. <laughs> That's a way of putting that right Look at there. That rapport. Look at that rapport. Oh, come on. You, you left out the best part. How he tries to start the conversation with the watch. The useless yeah, watch is still on his arm. Look at that. The watch is, the, apparently the watch isn't working. You think he still hasn't figured out how to wind it? Someone wind his watch, please. Roman does a drive-by, tells him, hands off. Contessa tells him, hi. Greg, you can keep the Contessa company, but don't look at her. Everyone knows what you're thinking, and it's disgusting. He then goes to Lori. Lori, how the hell are you? With Greg just left afterwards like, yeah, sorry. He's, what does he say? He's like, he's a jerk. My cousin, so- a very rude man. Yeah. Which I, li- uh, I like that the Italian lady just goes, yep, yep, he is. Moving she on. Agrees. 
That's why I think he might be making inroads because when Roman leaves, she's still there to talk to him. She's oh. still talking to Greg. And, oh. Ro- and Greg's able to like create a sort of like me and you against Roman thing. Like, isn't oh. he so rude? And she's like, yeah, he is. God, is Greg going to get the threesome that Tom turned down in season two? He, I think he might make inroads with this lady. I think, I think Greg <laughs> has way more game than people realize because he's authentic and he's funny. And what did I, what did I say in the, the previous podcast? What I learned in dating, I'm not saying this is right. I'm saying this is just what be I learned. Be memorable. You got to be memorable. And by God, that man is memorable. And he's very naturally disarming. And that serves him well. Absolutely. Cut to Shiv. She's mentioning that Gojo's stock popped. And uh, it held. And a, lot market- of stock, a lot of stocks pop. Yeah, not and- a lot of stocks pop and hold. And to the degree that their market cap is now comparable to Waystar. Important data point. Uh, well, for she said by midweek, their market cap is going to be close be. to ours. So it's a couple, like it's a... Maybe, maybe type situation. Like, if it keeps going, then maybe Shooting it will be close. Shooting distance. Exactly. Tom then mentions the previous night. I was thinking more like uh, love beads or a sexy fireman, but it got into the realms of you don't love me. Yeah, Shiv. that's a realm. Shiv, okay, well, what happens in Sex Vegas? Tom. So basically what happens here, I'm not going to go through the whole dialogue. Basically what happens here is Tom is saying, hey, can we talk about that? Because that really hurt my feelings. And she's saying, hey, look, I was just saying sexy time stuff. Don't hold it against me. And Tom's like, yeah, but, you know? And I think it's a very fair yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Shiv then finally, then finally, uh, Tom lands on, well, did you even mean it about the kids? And she says, yes. But, but, no she wants to get all the kid right now. She wants to freeze some embryos, <laughs> save some embryos, uh, and be ready for when they do eventually. So they'll be just be, to have it, they'll have it all in a freezer. Ready to go whenever they're ready to pull yeah, the for, trigger. For like two and a half Olympics from now. That was the funniest shit. She's like ten he's like ten years? That's like two and a half Olympics. That's a good Such way a to funny put way of putting that. Shivman says, Well, it, it's something happens, uh, you could destroy them. And Tom's like destroy them? Like if you died, I'd still want to have your babies. So Shiv not only has this whole idea in her head that like when I say I want to have kids, what I mean is I want to free some embryos so that we can pull the trigger later if we want to. She also has read the red, red, like she's read the uh, the, the fine print here. Yeah, she's read the she's fine also print. talking very specifics about like what happens to yeah, the embryos if, if we if get divorced or if we break up or if you die or you know any scenario like that. She has gone through all of it and has really clearly plotted out each of the scenarios. That would be so off-putting to me if I was Tom. <laughs> like, wow. You okay. clearly, like, do you know the company you want to work with? Like, what? tell me more about the research you've done here. Now, come on. We, we enjoy Shiv's addition to the show. The actress is great with her. What, what is on-putting about their relationship for you? If that's off-putting, what turns you on about their relationship? Not the next thing, but the next thing. So the next thing she says is, you know, Tom, I may not love you, but I do love you. you ah! Ah! Not that. That's awful. <laughs> okay, go on. What's the positive here? Well, she just says, don't fall in. That was kind of cute. Okay, we're ending on that one as the positive that just puts a whole cherry on the whole scenario. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Her line. That was at least, that little teeny thing was cute. Her cold light of day line of, I I don't love you, but I love you. Shiv is He should run. What? This is Shiv being her dad. This is Shiv kicking Tom to see whether he comes back. This is exactly that. Yeah. 
We're seeing it yeah. live. And, or or it, it, that is that's really good. Or she's got a little Roman in her, where Roman likes to joke about the truth. Uh, sure, little column A, little column B. I think I think the Roman it's, thing is partly what his dad does too. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Maybe he's getting that from the, the original source is, is Logan, but they like like to joke about the truth. Um, it's a really really well, tough. Here. Not only like to joke about the truth, they like to joke about the most painful aspect of the truth. They like to joke about the truth that you don't want to admit yourself. We've been waiting for the Tom heel turn. We've been waiting for Tom to is turn this... on the family, turn on Shiv. We keep we saying thought it was. We thought it was going to be to join Kendall. It looks like there's not even a side to join anymore. Where where is this heel? It's got to come right. Tom I mean, at some point has to say, "Fuck you, Shiv. I'm out." When is it happening, dude? How many times have we said, "Well, it's got to be now. It's got to be that." Six, seven times over the course of the last few seasons. Well, I don't the, know. The, the, the primary executive producer for the show. As much of a show, the show doesn't really have a showrunner, but as much of a showrunner as they have, yeah, said it will not go past five seasons. Now, I hesitate telling you that because you have a, a very long history of when someone says that about a show, five you hold them to seasons. it seasons, you hold them to it like it's the fucking like it's the law of gravity, like well, you like you, well, you, how dare you ever go beyond? Now that. you understand we're only getting three seasons of Ted Lasso, right? Because the guy said it like two years ago, and clearly people are on unable to change their minds <laughs> ever on these subjects. I'm hold. How many times during the Lasso lowdown? Did, the podcast we did reviewing Ted Lasso. Did you say I'm gonna hold him to it? How many times did you say that sentence? Seven, eight? I don't even know. I get invested in these things. I love shows that know when to end and it's planned it out. Don't take this from me. Yeah, well, they have said they're saying now openly that it's only going to run five episodes, five seasons, and people can never change their minds. This is a well-known fact when it comes to showrunners. Well, here's the thing, though. It's very different than than the, the Ted Lasso thing, right? Because they said the three seasons thing, like, early on in it, right? Yeah, that was like, their marketing this is how pitch. We just sort of thought, like, they are well into this show, Succession. They're in season three. They're th- they're thinking about the ending now. So they might really actually only go five seasons. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of inclined to think the next season might even be a good place to end it. I want, we talked about this season being kind of retreading ground when it comes to the plot points and plot points kind of falling to the side. I worry this show could eventually get a little bit too navel-gazing if it goes on too long. Yeah, it's getting there. So... But I bring all that up to say, like, if they're going to have Tom do a heel turn, if we are approaching the last season or the no. penultimate season. Now's the time. Yeah, maybe it's time, right? Maybe it's time he can go ahead and do that. All right, let's cut to Roman showing up to see Matson. He has to take a helicopter to get to a boat to get there. As Roman one does. getting out of the boat. Matson tries to help him. Want me to hold your hand? Roman slaps his hand, piss off, and he gets up there. Roman compliments the place and Matson says, but he got it. He wanted to make sure it was the best in the world, but now he's sleeping on a camper on the floor while doing research into the best mattress in the world. So this guy, they really did write him as what we know about Elon Musk. Right. I find him to be kind of boring in the same way I find Elon Musk boring. I think he I finds himself, I think he almost acts like he finds himself boring. He just has that aura about him of just consistent boredom with the world. Matson says he's not feeling great. I'm fine, but not really Roman. Maybe let's leave the little feely feelings out of it, because I'm going to give you nothing. <laughs> I appreciate that honest marketing out of Roman. They go to the water to look out. Matson asks Roman what he's worst at. He says success doesn't interest him anymore. It was so funny when he said this. I was watching the episode with my wife, and, and Sarah literally just went, Ugh. Oh, no. I almost hurt myself. My eyes rolled so hard when he said that. I actually had to stop watching for a minute. <laughs> 
Success is so boring. Uh, well, Spencer, you want to know how to do success? You want to know how to do it? Tell me. Tell me, man. Tell me. It's very, very easy. Anyone can do it. Analysis plus capital plus execution. There you go. Boom. Done. Can you give me a little more detail under those? Like, I need some bullet points under those headers. Nope. Anyone can do it. Uh, but what he finds interesting uh-huh. is people's failures. So he wants to know, Roman, what are you bad at? What's your weakness? Roman, I'm not telling you a single one of my weaknesses ever, 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 ever. Good call. <laughs> good call. Madsen says, and Madsen even tells him it's a good call. He says he gets way in too into people and then they disappoint him. And Roman just sort of scoffs at that. Madsen says he's going to do quarterly up and outs at the company, which is just basically firing. Uh, Roman transitions to ask about the tweet. Do you have big shit coming your way? And Madsen, are you asking for material, non-public information? That is when you sort of know. He actually knows, like, he's smarter than he looks. Oh, yeah. This is, this is, he acts the clown. He acts the just, you know, washout kind of guy. But this guy got where he is by being a serious businessman. And he knows how to do this shit. And Roman is kind of like him on a much lower level, but he's kind of like him because he fires back. I don't know. Were you trying to juice your share price or were you trying to give your share price a pop by tweeting unverifiable information outside of normal disclosure channels? (laughs) So Roman also kind of knows what's going on. So they cut to the heart of the matter there. Madsen makes fun of that. No, you're not allowed to do that. Roman then asks him straight up, look, do you want the deal? Madsen says, look, I do, but I'm just a little Swedish. I'm into equality. I like getting into bed with people, but I like sharing it equally. Oh, now I understand now. Madsen, I just want to get the best of everything. Uh, And Roman says, fuck yeah, I get that, definitely. So cut to the core team arriving in Milan. Roman arrives and Jerry greets him. Roman says he thinks it's dead. Madsen is angling for a, quote, merger of equals. Spencer, have you heard this term before, merger of equals? I had heard this term before. And I think think Roman's got a very accurate read in the situation of where he's not suggesting this become a component of Waystar. He wants a new entity to arise out of this scenario, functioning as a kind of partnership. Yes. He wants two companies to merge equally to create a new one. Roman assures, uh, assumes it's dead. But Jerry says, well, I'm not so sure. Jeremy, this is very funny. Roman asks her, do you want to help me breathe? And Jerry's like, I don't know the specifics. Basically, no, Roman. I'm not, I'm not with you on this, basically. Mm-hmm. They go inside. Logan has Tom, Shiv, Jerry, and Roman in the room, and Frank and Carl on a call. Logan asks, among friends, I want to get a sense of what's going on. You- is he a Twitter panty flasher, or is he a serious person? Roman mm-hmm. says, always oh, serious person. And he insists on that. He says he thinks that there's value that hasn't been priced in, and he's gunning for a merger of equals. Roman goes on to explain that he's got a bunch of shit signed up for Gojo. Asian sports leagues, live sports games betting it's a fucking growth bomb shiv's trying to wrap her head around it she's like you mean 50 50 like she's kind of catching up yeah, like, what what dad, like 50 50 like the board like dad splits control they turn to logan who thinks but the guy's in a fuckhead which everybody says, that line everyone just suddenly goes what so we are considering this so like everyone, yeah. everyone was assuming that oh, okay it's dead what do we do next we gotta find her out Logan's looking at this very intelligently and very focusing on de- certain details we didn't think would be as relevant to him. So we assumed his pride would get up at this. But really, well, this is the case. There's two things that come out in this conversation that I think give you an idea of why Logan is considering this, right? Mm-hmm. So Roman says that tweeting was a move. No, he's a snake. I know people. I'm a people sniffer. Ugh. Logan, 
This is the first thing I think that comes out that really shows you where his head's at. Because I can win any bout with a boxer fuck, but I don't know how to knock out a clown. That's a good. That's a, I like that line a lot. Roman insists he's not a clown. It's what you would have done, right? He just maximized leverage. Shiv bemoans a merger of equals. Second thing in the conversation that gives you an idea of where Logan's head's at. No such thing. Tom, always a top job. Roman, so basically what they're saying is, yeah, you can have a quote merger of equals, right? But someone is going to come out on top because someone has to run the resulting company. There's I, always the top job. And I love we've seen that this episode when it comes to Stewie and Sandy. That they thought that all the terms that they set would mean that they'd have an equal seat at the table. And we get to see in this episode, no, you give Logan the reins, he's going to go wherever he wants with it, and you're just going to play catch up, baby. And, and that's exactly what he's planning for Matson. But yeah. he wants to know that Matson is a predictable fighter in this arena. Right. He's not an actual crazy person because he can't deal with a crazy person. And it's a very good question to Pro- ask, I think. Professional fighters are predictable, but the world is full of amateurs. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so Matson, um, Roman goes on to say that Matson just wants the title and the prestige, that maybe they could still run things because Roman is pivoting here based on his father's reaction. Carl immediately mentions that the family stake would be seriously diluted. That's a point I made earlier. You see Shiv kind of go oh, with that one. Her shoulders mm-hmm. drop a little bit. Uh, Frank then mentions it would be a big upheaval. Shiv then counterpunches. The top team, you'll be fighting for your lives, Roman, but I'm sure you can trust Dad. <laughs> Jerry looks very concerned at this. Roman, a merger is really a state of mind. Dad, Jerry, you stay with your hands on the tiller. I mean, they're... Price rise, it's real. It's a proper fucking streamer. And the future is movies, TV, music, games, sports, esports, VR, AR, betting, fucking everything for everyone. And Madsen knows how to get there. Now, I don't disagree with his idea of media in the future. Mm-hmm. Because that is what is big now. I mean, you look at some of the biggest media companies, let's say in sports, like Barstool Sports, which is which is on the rise. Uh, they have embraced betting hard. I mean, if you get, you got a betting problem, this world is not, not coming your way. Nope, they'll they find are, you. <laughs> People seem to not give a fuck about protecting people who have gambling problems anymore. I mean, it's mm. everywhere, and it is super accessible in a way that it used to not be. Um, Matt's, uh, Shiv uh, starts to buy this from Roman, and Logan says, well, we can't afford to walk away right now. Must be a conversation, son. Roman seems happy with himself. Peak of the mountain! Yeah, and he's he- at the top! And he gets two texts in rapid order from probably the people that mean the most to him, both saying, well done, and I think I think his dad even says, good job, son, or something like that. Yeah. A little text good work, kid. Away. Yeah, good work, kid. He gets a text from Jerry, well done, Roman. Roman picks up his phone, full of himself. Dinner to celebrate. <laughs> very, very full of himself, if you, you might say. Woo, oh, look at you working, Blue. Dinner to celebrate Jerry. Important that he includes the name. Mm-hmm. Eat this attaches a picture of his dick, is going to go up to the two line to type, to put Jerry, but instead a text from his dad flashes down because you know, on this, on the screen on your iPhone, it'll it'll drop down. The text will be a preview at the very top. And when he goes to click two without thinking, without seeing, he accidentally clicks the message from his father that had dropped down that says, good work, kid. What does all this mean, Spencer? It means he sends Dinner to celebrate Jerry, eat this and a picture of his penis to his father. Right I, there in the middle of the meeting. I had to stop the episode. I had to stop the episode. Was it a pausing and, situation? I paused and I paced around my house. Like, oh my God! 
among the things we could have predicted, did you, on your bingo card, was Roman tweets dick pic to dad? Did, was that on there? No, but we did know that Logan would find out about these two somehow. At some point. And I got to say that when the show, the show, the, the writers probably sat around and had the same conversation we did on the pod, which said, this is, this is imperfect information for Logan. This is going to be a liability for him until he figures it out and he will figure it out. Now we have to write how he figures it out. They decided to make it the most fucking awkward, cruel, knife twisting, painful possible way for him to find this out. It's unbelievable how uncomfortable okay. this is. We, we talk about wonderful actors in this show, but the physical acting of Colkin in this moment after Karen he Culkin, puts yeah. two and two together that that vibrating phone on the table is his father's with his dick in it. Well, he turns, he he, he, he looks at his text. He yes. goes back to his phone it's to verify. confusion at first, yeah. And sees that he sent it to his dad. And then, absolutely. I mean, give him the Emmy now. Because he just, the way he collapses into himself. And he actually looks like he turns pale. He look, turns pale. And then when his dad just said, I need five, and walks away. He looks... We have not seen Roman look sad and teary-eyed before, and he sells it perfectly for how Roman would respond in this moment of where he's, as someone posted on Reddit, he's watching the rise and fall of the Roman Empire happen here right in front of him. It's just nightmarish how this is so quickly this is turning on him. And as great as the acting from Kiera Culkin is, and it is, Brian Cox knocks this one out of oh, the park too, yeah. because he looks at his phone, looks at his son, looks at his phone, and goes, I need five! Yeah, the tone that he hits for these moments of like, I need five. And then we just Now the bankers at, are now in the room. Oh yeah. So they are in the they're in the room. So he's wasting a lot of valuable time here. And he goes, I need five. And he walks out. Now, Jer- Shiv knows Something. this is a weird time for him to be leaving. Something bad had to have happened here. So he goes to she goes to follow him. Roman stuck in his seat dying. Yes. He throws the phone at her and she Let's harken back to that conversation with Tom where she goes, if I can just knock him out, this is she her sees ammo. the blood in the water. This is it. She can kill him right here. And man, does she dial it up fast. Honestly, he's weird about Jerry. Everyone knows. Everyone knows it. And frankly, I think it's fucking disgusting. Jerry is probably not stopping it for leverage and banking it for ammo. But she's hitting both of them. She just killed them both in a single conversation. At least she's trying to. And I like that Logan is so caught off guard, he steps in to try to defend both of them. It's like, oh, isn't this Roman just being Roman? It's like, nope, nope, this is a problem. Just, nope, I think it's a potential problem. There's issues. Everyone says he used to get jerked off by his personal trainer, and now this Jerry thing? So moving forward, Logan then goes, okay, I've had enough. Nope. I know you're trying to kill thank, your brother. Thank you, Pinky. I'll handle it from here. Appreciate it. Roman! That Roman is just decades of acting embodied in a word. It just echoed out of the screen. The Pillars of the building shook with that Tony hit there. Even Shiv goes, oh, God, yeah. damn, Dad. I almost wonder, was that the actor just like, oh, God, that hurt, excellent, thank you. Okay, play off the scene. They sit down, a Roman comes in, after shooting Jerry a look like, oh, God, I fucked this up, and Jerry looking at him like, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable is basically what she's saying. Unforced uh, error. Roman, Logan flings his phone across the table, and in an all-timer, all-time moment, yep. all-time meme, GIF, yep. comment, yep. line yep. dialogue ever, yep. we get, are you a sicko? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Starting there. It's great. <laughs> Wonderful. 
absolutely great. That was incredible. Oh, Are you a sicko? Brian Cox is such a wonderful <laughs> actor. Brian Cox is such a great actor. It was, I've, I mean, the internet immediately exploded, as it should, with gifs of that scene of Brian Cox, glasses on, one hand on the table, one hand at his side, looking up the room and going, Are you a sicko? Yeah. <laughs> the best. Why did you send this? Roman, Roman then... Here's the thing. Here's the here's so obviously sending the text to the wrong person was a mistake. Number two, using Jerry's name was a huge, huge mistake because if it didn't use her name, he could just say, "Oh yeah, I was sending that to Tabs," and yeah. it would be over. His yeah. dad would laugh, and they would just move on. Yeah. Then the third thing is he at this point tried to offer come us. clean or come cleanish. Here's what he should have done. You tell me. Yeah, Spencer, he should have said. Well, Dad, I actually really like Jerry. I've got a thing for her. I like her. And I sometimes I send her these things, and eh, she g- gives me kind of lukewarm signals. I'm really just trying to work it. I like her. Yeah, That's what he should have said. Th- this is the same scenario we talked about with Kendall. He comes into this week. That if he'd Instead actually... he goes, uh, it's like, uh, you know, where's my dick? He offers a philosophical explanation of dick pics rather than just confronting the scenario. You know, it's like, here's my dick. And, yeah. and his dad tries to bail him out and goes, is it like a fuck you? And he's like, no, no. Have you ever heard of dick pics, dad? Logan says, we publish a lot of fucking newspapers. We probably invented the words. I, yes, I know what they mean. Great line from the, Logan there. And he just keeps pushing him. It's like, why did you do this? And he has nothing. Nothing. Now, why? I'm screaming at the television to Roman. To just come partially clean. Why, what would have happened if he'd have just told Logan, Dad, I know I know you're not going to like this. You're going to find it very strange, but I really like her. And Logan keeps giving him outs. He keeps giving him ways of just like explaining what the scenario is. Like, you got a problem, aren't you, with that girl? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. yeah. And he says he's screwing around. And Logan, I don't like things going on I don't know about. Mm, 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 mm. Now you talked about your eyes rolling earlier. Are you uh, get your eyes in your socket, but get them flexible because they yeah. need to roll hard here. Here we go. Here we go. She's a million years old. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> You're a laughing stock. Go on. Fuck off. The hypocrisy. The just crystallized hypocrisy in that line is delicious. It's unbelievable how brazen he is with his hypocrisy. And to someone who he knows knows, he knows Roman knows about him and Carrie. Doesn't yeah. care. He's not trying to hide it. He gives no fucks. So Apparently. Roman goes, what happens then? Logan, I don't want Jerry hanging around like frozen piss. Roman, uh, I'm not a radical feminist dad, but I think perhaps we should not fire her for receiving pictures of my dick. <laughs> I, Can we embody? Yeah, well said. A philosophy for our age right there. Yeah, pretty solid point from Roman. I think that's baseline. I think yeah. baseline of what we should do here. We're celebrating any humanity from these people at this point. This is what we're celebrating here. She shouldn't be fired for receiving my dick pic. A, a, a lesson for we the ages. We shouldn't fire Jerry for being sexually harassed. By yes, her. absolutely. Uh, and this is the scene. This might surprise you, but this is the scene that I, all day, I'm, I'm actually on vacation right now. Yeah. And I had to do this podcast. And sometimes when you're, you know, you, you're kind of like on vacation, but you have an obligation that kind of eats at you all day. Like it could have been work for me. Yeah, yeah. But you know what, Spencer? It's not because of this scene I get to talk to you about. I'm so fucking excited to hear your thoughts on this scene. Shiv Jerry? Shiv pulls Jerry. Across. Yes. Shiv pulls Jerry aside. And man, does Shiv think she is slick here. 
I'm sorry about all this. I just want to get really clear about what's going. She she tries to do the like pow girl talk thing. Oh, Most God. importantly, I want to see if you're okay. Jerry just sort of nods. It's not a big deal. Shiv, God, this must be so hard for you. Do you want to sit? Jerry doesn't even sit right there. There's a sign. Shiv, so has this or something like this happened before? Jerry, I, don't I can't rec- recall. Spencer. Attorney, attorney head on. Yes. How proud are you right I'm now? I'm so, she is concussed. She is surprised by the scenario, but she is right there with the legalese. I'm with her. She does snap into lawyers so fast. I was so impressed how she just goes, I can't recall. Like, perfect well, answer. She reads, not, the, yep. she reads the scenario perfectly. Immediately. It's like, oh, this is an indictment. This this is somebody who has their own purposes here, and I can be on the chopping block just as fast. Give them nothing until I can reassess. Yes. If you, like, I'm not a lawyer, but I know this. If you're getting asked questions in a situation where you have you are could be implicated in some sort of wrongdoing. Give non-answers until you get a lawyer. Yep. I can't recall. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll get back to you know. on that. I'll get back to you. I. You know what? I. I'm. I'm having trouble remembering right now. Any of these things. Just mm-hmm. say that, and then go get a lawyer, which is exactly what our girl Jerry does. Because Shiv then says, "If it did, did you ask him to stop?" And Jerry said, "Let's talk about this tomorrow, okay? I just need to check in with some people." I literally, I was watching this at the uh, on Sunday night. I paused and had the my. I was like, I fucking wish Spencer was here with me because I, I know he would be so happy about what Jerry's doing right now. Because so many of these shows we've done, we've done reviews, and you've had to be like, your lawyer hat is, has your head exploded. Yeah. Like, oh dear <laughs> God, they never do that. Stupid. Why would they do that? And suddenly I'm like, oh, they're doing the right thing. They're doing it beautifully. She's acting like a lawyer. Finally, you have one you can be proud of. Well, she's also, Jerry. she's also acting like an experienced campaigner. She's looking at this young whippersnapper making a move, and she's just like, oh, you are digging your own grave, and you don't even know this shit yet. Chiv then says something that I believe could blow back on her in a very negative way. <laughs> Shiv's doing something that could blow back on her? Do tell. Yeah, she says, if you can't, she says, I just want to be clear about what was going on for your own well-being. And if you weren't like soliciting these pics or okay with them or happy with them, like if you were, then that would look that and you don't speak. But no, let me, right. let me see what she's trying to say. I, I've got no, the, no, I got you. I got you. Okay. She says, if you were not okay with these and you don't go to HR, it makes it look like you were okay with these. Mm-hmm. So you need to go to HR. You need to speak up. And then she says this part that I thought was way over the line. Oh, yeah. If you can't deal with your own sexual harassment, it's not a good look. Oh, Oh, Jesus. What? Where are women supporting each other in the workplace with lines like that? It's unbelievable. Like, that is such a crazy line. And then Jerry just says, I can cope. So she's just giving her nothing, well, which I just love it. Jerry's expression there is giving her nothing, but the reading between the lines is, okay, that one I'm fe- that when I eventually kill you, when I eventually outlast you, like I've done thousands like you before, we're gonna remember that line together. Or maybe I help kill you with that line. Because yeah. if this all blows up and goes to HR and goes to the board, I'm gonna say that the president told me I needed to be able to handle my own sexual harassment. Otherwise, it would be bad for my career. Shiv then pushes her to report it to HR. 
and then she says, Jerry basically says, that's for me to decide if I go to HR or not. Um, Shiv then pitches the idea of going all the way up to the board with it. And Jerry succinctly thanks her for giving it so much thought and says, I'll think it over. Okay. I'm going back inside. Shiv thought she could play Jerry. Shiv's she an thought idiot. she could play her. Shiv, this is what we talked about before, where Shiv doesn't know how to go for the easy win. She doesn't know how to do it. She doesn't know how to go for steady progress. She sees an opportunity to kill two people that could be potential rivals. She jumps on it, whether it's a Heavy wise handed. move or not. Everything's so, heavy-handed with her. She, she doesn't know how to hide her motivations at any point. She It's always on the surface, and it's always gloating. And it just so consistently leads her to failure. Jerry is not the person you want to make an enemy right now. Jerry has no practical choice in this moment other than to sell Roman out. That is the play for Jerry. But by doing this, you are driving her into Roman's camp. giving her, You are painting yourself as now their mutual opponent where their best scenario is to oppose you. Now, you've asked me to score rounds and score conversations. Yeah. How do you score this round between Shiv and Jerry? Shiv walks out of this thinking that she is, I don't know how to score boxing, she, a clear win. She thinks that everything has shifted in my favor. They're on the mat. This is going to be a cakewalk from here. That's what she leaves this fight thinking. What, she reality, what, what reality she did, she landed a lot of ineffectual punches and showed what the weakness in her style was in round one. And the fight continues from here. Yep. So, so proud of Jerry? I'm proud of Jerry for doing what she... Jerry is the master of avoiding, obvious, of avoiding unnecessary losses. Of taking, of taking a hit, shrugging it off, and planning for what the next battle is going to be. And she does is, not make unforced errors. <laughs> Whereas Roman just runs on those. Cuts a candle and his kids at a pool. Great shot of a donut with cream oozing out and a sunscreen bottle with green oozing out. I think what they were trying to show you is life of excess is what they're yeah. trying to show you here. Um, the kids get up and leave. We see Kendall on a floating raft. Kendall seems completely trashed, really drunk. He's got a beer in his hand. Uh, then we see Kendall's face sort of hangs over the top of the floater that he's on. We get a shot from under the pool of his beer dropping and then Kendall clearly breathing underwater. Um, he appears to be unconscious with his face underwater breathing and we get some terrible augmented chords that like really harsh ending um, from a score perspective of the episode and then the episode is over. Okay, you already kind of tipped your hand as to what you thought here. I, I asked you, is that the last thing Logan's going to say to Kendall? And you said, no, I don't think it is. You think people are overreacting to the last scene. I'm going to tell you my thoughts here. Please. I don't think Kendall is dead. I don't think they're killing Kendall. But I wish they would. And this comes from a Kendall fan. Mm. I think Kendall's arc is over in the show. And I think the idea that he would do something like get drunk in a pool and, and, and fall in and, and suffocate or, or drown, that's kind of in keeping with this guy, as much as I hate to say it. He's not gotten the help he needs. His drinking has gotten more, more and more worse. And where he's put himself, he's put himself in this extreme position of danger. I, I think that it's a natural, good ending spot for the character. And I wish the show had the guts to kill him. But I don't think they're going to. And and if they don't, I'm going to be really, really mad at this show for doing something cheap and easy to create drama at the end of the at the end of the episode. I think it's a cheap move that the show is better than unless they kill him. Spencer, what say you? They're not killing him this episode. They're not. I, um, I would bet a lot of money on that subject right now. I think 
Sad to say, killing him could be a very effective narrative arc that would be the kind of aggressive, confident, surprising story ma- storytelling that we've liked out of this show previously. The other thing I think they may be setting up is Kendall going to prison. Is Kendall, like, voluntarily confessing to what happened with the, um, the caterer. And using that as a means of both unburdening his own sins, but also trying to bring down his dad with him. I don't think it would work. I think his dad was way too smart to not cover his tracks with respect to that instant. But I think that's another thing that they have telegraphed to a certain degree. Of That's kind of the only way Kendall gets free of all this. Yeah, I don't see that part. I, I don't. I don't. I think. I think what we're gonna get is someone finding him, yelling, "Kendall, you know, wake up and pump." Maybe he has to go to the hospital or something, and the family finds out. Oh, Kendall almost died, but I don't think they're gonna kill him. And if they don't, that is so such a cheap, such a cheap move well, to I do at the end of that episode to create this weird, stupid hang cliffhanger. And I think it's a good end to his character. This is a good ending spot. I, I almost read that what he's doing at the end is just kind of echoing in his, head, his da- the, what his dad said in his head about how long was he under the water? How long did he hold his breath before he drowned? So you don't think Kendall's unconscious here? No, I don't. I think Kendall is just very much in his head. Those last lines from his dad just well, echoing Why did he drop the beer? Because he did. I don't think he needs a particular reason for dropping the beer. I don't think I don't see him as being. Think, a, but that, but why would they? I think they're trying to show you that he's unconscious with the beer dropping. I, I read it as just him being utterly indifferent to the world rather than necessarily being asleep because he doesn't look unconscious with the, the, the last scene. Well, his hand kind of falls off. I mean, like he drops the beer and his hand kind of falls dead. I I really think they're trying to show you that he's unconscious. And I, I honestly, I want I if the show was the show that I wish it would be, they'd kill him and they'd march on with the confidence that they can survive without that character, that they gave it a good ending to where that character should be. Ultimately, they're not going to do it. I will say this. I did break my rule. I, my rule is always I will not watch the preview of the next episode. They don't show him in the preview. They don't show Kendall in the next preview. So they, so, they clearly want us to be... They're playing on it. Pondering. Either they killed him, which we both think they didn't, or they're playing on it. Yeah. I think, I think, I think they're playing on it. And that will disappoint me. And I will think that the show has gotten pretty cheap. Okay, I think that's the end of the recap. Spencer, let's jump into segments. I'll say we do line of succession first because I'm so excited to get to the winner and loser of the episode. Let's let's make that sort of the finale. What is our potential line of the episodes? Uh, I, I, I'm going to request that we actually do Roy the episode first because my notes are loading on another computer for line of the episode and I need a minute for them to load. <laughs> So quick. Oh, okay. We can do that. We can do Roy of the episode. It's just that that that's going to require some thought here. Um, I can tell you who I think is the winner of the episode. Clear winner, number one with a bullet, no questions asked, is our boy Greg. I, it all depends. What in the moment? Sure. In the moment, sure. He, this could blow up. This could be a problem. They can end up with nobody by the end of, by the next episode. But yeah, but that's all. That's like the, the reason I'm putting him there isn't because of like oh he got comfrey or what. I mean that's kind of nice, but he's now out of the shit. Like his it's stuff fair. is like not consequential anymore. Like he's out of real problems. Like if the, if the worst case scenario happens to him, he doesn't get a girlfriend. Like. He's winning. Yeah, he's <laughs> compared winning. Compared to the rest of these and, fucking idiots. And he's demonstrating <laughs> confidence and independent action in a way that he's never seen before. Where nothing that these people are even throwing at him sticks to him anymore. So, yeah. Kudos to Greg. Not only do you not get only get... not 
Wait, is he getting an honorable mention or is he actually getting number one for this episode? I think he wins the episode. I think he's the winner. Okay. I think he wins it by mostly avoiding it. Number two. Exactly. That, yeah, exactly it. Because this is an episode where everyone is in crap. Like, Logan. And he's just not. Logan's got to be number two then, I think. Just because Logan, like, Logan would be number two. And the reason I would say that he's below is um, he may be getting into bed with a crazy person because I think Madison might be fucking crazy. I think he um, knows it, though. I think he's aware of Madison in a better way than most of the other characters, than Roman, but at least particularly knows. Uh, he now has a very delicate personnel situation that he is not a very delicate handler of. No. Uh, and then he, the way he handled the thing with Kendall, I felt like was. Um, I mean, we know he's a bad dad, but I think he was willing to basically accept being evil. And he's just like, yes, I'm evil. And I, I'm not, like, that, the guy sucks. Yeah. He just sucks. No, and he a, might have killed his kid. He is a horrible person by any way we can measure this. But he is winning, at least at present. He is. But I still give, I'll give Greg the nod over Kit Logan, but Logan is too. Then we start getting into the kids, and it's Shiv? all junk. It's all bad. I think you have to go Shiv, but, like. Shiv thinks she's, she's number not, one. She's, she's not positive. She thinks she's number one this episode. She thinks she's at a clear win. She hasn't, and she took a hell of a lot of kicks to even get to where she is. She's number three on our list, but she's a net negative for the episode because yeah. I think she lost that fight with Jerry, and she doesn't even know it, which is the worst part. That, when you lose a fight and you don't even know you lost a fight, that's pretty rough. She lost the fight with Jerry. She lost the fight with her mom. Dear Christ, did she lose the fight with her mom. And yes. what she learned from that is going to be bad and disastrous for, the, for her and those around her. And you're starting to think the inevitable heel turn from Tom isn't happening. But she certainly gave him a lot of ammunition. I mean, that, she was pretty yeah. awful to her husband this episode. Yeah, uh, and then, then I think, as, as strange as this may sound, Kendall might not have lost that <laughs> even though he might have died. Kendall dead still does better than Roman did this he episode. He might have died. That's what you're saying. And I still think he might have done better than Roman. I mean, just... <laughs> Uh, ha- part of it has to be, for fact, I agree. Part of it has to be just how far the character fell. Yes. Kendall was already low. Death does not fall that much farther from where Kendall is. Which is why I think they should do it. Roman, on the other hand, was number Huge one. Huge fall. He's been ranking high for us episode after episode. He was number then, one boy. He's no, number, you're my number one boy. And then consistently... He again finds a way to just shoot himself in the foot. Not even the foot. He shot himself in a way that just left nothing below the waist. That's how much he destroyed himself and his chances in one fell swoop. It was unbelievable. Massive colossal. I mean, what well, we saw it coming. I mean, the, 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 the overconfidence he displayed at the end of the last episode, the outright cruelty. We knew karma, everything. It was all coming to him at some point. We, but we did- the, the dragon Jerry into it is, is kind of really tough Uh, uh, because she doesn't deserve any of this shit credit credit to roman and he's done this before knowing that he's fucked he still makes an effort to defend jerry he does he did he 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 stopped and the only thing the only only active thing he said yeah the only thing that he said that that made any lick of sense at all in that entire conversation the rest of it was complete babble was don't fire jerry that doesn't make any sense and i think I don't think Logan's going to for a variety of reasons. I think that landed with Logan. Well, I, th- I don't think he was going to, period. I think he's just pissed and struggling with the scenario. I think Jerry's too valuable to him and he knows that. But right. I, think, I think that did land a bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we didn't rank. Connor. Oh, Connor. Um, Can't be high. It's pretty He's rough. above Shiv, though, right? Because she at least said, I'll think about it. It's... It, it, 
Connor, I almost want to not even rank Connor this episode. He's mostly a non-entity compared to everybody else. I mean, him and Wilo is cringy, but compared to everything else we get, it doesn't even rank. You speak in my language. Every week I forget Connor, and you, you, you force me to rank him. So if you want to leave him out, let's leave him out. Hey, he, absolutely. I, I, don't think he may, I, think, I don't think he merits. 100%. Okay, there we go. Loser of the episode. Our boy Roman, winner of the episode, which I squeak out. I'm not sure you agreed with me on it, but you let me. You let me take it. I'll let it's you, Greg. I'll let you. Boy of the episode, Greg. All right, you ready for line of succession? I got my notes now. Yeah. So I'll- okay, I'll start with Shiv. Um, you know, Tom, I may not love you, but I do love you. You know. <laughs> You're starting hard, man. I thought you were to work our way up to that one. Um, uh, Roman, look at you trying to get inside my head. Don't open Pandora's box. It's just more dicks in there. Uh, cousin Greg, uh, my cousin, a very rude man. <laughs> Tom, about Greg, the man dying of thirst is suddenly a mineral water critic. Oh, there's a lot in that conversation that could. Be I, I'm just doing um, one, but there's a lot of great ones. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going, I'm going down. I don't have a ton of them this episode, Logan, because I can win any bout with a boxer. Fuck, but I don't know how to knock out a clown. That's a great one. I like that one a lot. Well, another one from Logan. Then, uh, well, I'm not used to negotiating via eggplant. Was hilarious. I love the just deadpan that Brian Cox delivers. Life's not knights on horseback. It's a number on a piece of paper. It's a fight for a knife in the mud. I don't know if a, Roman, if a Logan line's going to win, but man, it's just an overall... For a character with lines, I think he as a character has to win this episode with the, that kind of quality we get out of him. Yep. Um, let's hear just a few more from me. He never saw anything he loved that he didn't want to kick just to see if it would come back. It is a cutting assessment of a character right there unbelievable and i had the line right before that caroline truth is i probably should have never had children just because of how power i mean to say that to your own child is unbelievable i mean the, the power in that yeah absolutely uh br- most brutal line maybe of the entire season uh how long was that kid alive before he started sucking water a couple minutes three four five long time two minutes what were you even doing huh chasing a bit of tail hey are you queer did you try to fuck him or was it just the drugs Oh, dear God, you've already won. Just let the man be dead now. It is also indicative of someone who is not an addict talking to someone who's an addict. Yeah. Like, he thinks, like, well, it couldn't just be the drugs, right? <laughs> like, the <laughs> addict is like, of course, it's, of course it's just the drugs, Dad. What are you talking about? Like, of course it is. Like, it's, a, it's such a funny idea, like, how they how different they are in their perspective. Well, it reveals a little bit of a similarity between Logan and Roman. He's been, his children are various aspects of, of Logan's character, but he also con- tends to default towards sexual to explain things. Yeah, that's true. And and in reality, like you can pretty much explain the behavior of addicts no, <laughs> all around. He's like, an addict. The Look at the store. Yeah, it was it was the drugs. Yeah, it was the drugs. Don't minimize that. Um, all right, uh, for me, the next one I've got is my. Fa- this is not going to be line of the episode, mm-hmm. but it's my favorite line of the episode. It's the one I will repeat the most often, probably to you, many many times. Are you a sicko? <laughs> Fine enough. Uh, I think it's a good enough point, Dan, for here. Among this list, who wins, sir? Hmm. That is interesting. We have some great ones, obviously. All right. Here we go. Line of Succession. Season 3. Episode 8. Life's not knights on horseback. It's a number on a piece of paper. It's a fight 
for a knife in the mud. And I, 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 I say that because, not because, I mean, it, it, it perfectly encapsulates Logan's worldview, but I also think it encapsulates what the writers think of this world, of, of like how this world, because, you know, like, it does seem that good intentions don't pay off in this world. Mm-hmm. That it is just whoever gets the knife in the fight and, in the mud. And it usually is Logan. Why? Because he's the one that's willing to gouge you in the fucking eye and, and you know, yeah. punch you in the nose to get it. No, when when, Lo- when that line was said, I actually gasped a little bit because that was just such a perfect philosophy of the show. It, it seems to be, I don't know whether the show believes it, but it certainly seems that the characters are thinking it and some people are surviving by keeping that philosophy. I think and, it's what the writers think of the world that these people operate in. I don't, I'm not sure yeah. they're saying the whole world is like this, but I think they're saying that this, this where they're at, the, the peers that they have, you mm-hmm. know, that this is how that, that world kind of works a little bit. And I think it's, it's, it's poetic. It's brilliant. Okay. I agree. Last segment, Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. Spencer, take it away. Okay. I'm going to do two, just because I feel like I owe you two. So one, yes! we've already, one we've already kind of referenced. One of the most douchey, horrible things you can ever do to a partner is put them in a scenario where they are obliged to feel that they need to do something based on crowd pressure. And the most famous oh, example of that is proposing to somebody in a public place. Like, people that propose to another person in a theater should be taken out and shot. Or in an auditorium or a coliseum where they put you up Jesus. on the megaboard. Kill those people for the sake of the embarrassment they've inflicted on somebody else, right then and there. Because you're not. Damn, Spencer's putting them on the fire line. No, it it is horrible when I see that done. Because even if, the, even on the off chance the person is into it, you are pa- painting a scenario of where they can't actually feel obliged to make a choice they feel is best for them because the world is now judging them in this given moment. You're forcing their answer, which is exactly what Connor did here. By the way, he looked at her and he said, "You know, people are looking now. You have to say yes now." Yeah. If you're if you're pondering a scenario that is the rest of your lives, you have no ability, no justification for making them answer now, right there. It'd be lovely if they did. If they're exactly the same page. But if they aren't, that's not on you. That's just a big decision that you're right now springing on them. Don't ever do that with the eyes of the world agree. looking on them. 100% agree. Okay, point number one. Point number two. If you're going to do role play, as we see in this episode... <laughs> Spencer's advice to advice of the episode. How do you do role play? Okay, first things first. You need to have a good, honest conversation about what what, what the particular rules and parameters of what you're going to do are. Simply just springing into it without any pre, 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 clear prior discretion is asking for problems and asking for hurt oh, feelings this is beforehand. This is great. This is, a, this is something where it can work out wonderfully. It also can be very painful for the other person. And the best way you can avoid that is by discussing it and working out in advance. Consent is fun, people. Work it out and discuss the details before you just spring unfortunate scenarios in someone else. But also, something that everybody else, everybody often leaves out. Aftercare is essential. Once you've done this, particularly for the first time, you need to have a moment of just, you know, cuddling, unpacking of what the hell just occurred, whether it worked for you, whether it didn't, and making sure the other person is okay. Which is something I don't think anybody on this show ever ponders ever doing with a romantic partner, ever. Ever. And it just, and it just leads to this hurt feelings the next day in a way that could always be avoided if you just talk to your partner about the scenario you worked out. So, role play can be a great great, degree, great degree of fun with your partner. It can be a wonderful experience, but only if you do it right and only if you take the time to make it work. Which they clearly made no attempt at at this show between these characters. Unbelievable. I... I got you on a podcast telling people how to do role play. I, I'm I, here for you, I've sir. succeeded in the podcast network. Mangum Talks has succeeded. I've reached the mountaintop. 
I got Spencer on pod to tell people how to do role play. This is phenomenal. Thank you, Spencer. And you happen to be right. Uh, you happen to, and I, I really like the point about the after discussion. It's um, forgotten. If you're so going to participate often. in something like that, you need to you need to talk about it afterwards. It encourages open and honest dialogue. Completely agree. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you for another wonderful episode and a great season so far. This has been so much fun to talk succession with you. And my friend, we have got the finale. And we know this show does not take finales lightly. What is the name of the finale, by the way? I don't know the name. Uh, Name of the finale is, I've got it written down here. Uh, While you look at it, I will say that. Go ahead. All the bells say. All the bells say. And didn't you say that there's like... Something going on with the, the names of the finales or something? Some really hawk-eyed person on Reddit, I take no credit for this, noted that the end episodes of each season have been quoting a passage, certain parts of a passage of a poem that was written by John Berryman entitled Dream Song 29. I looked at it, I read the poem, it's a great poem. Every single one of the lines is buried in there in what is a deeply depressing poem about a guy who is suffering from horrendous depression... And is pondering whether he's a killer. Doesn't that feel kind of vaguely on point? Yeah, sounds like sounds like the story of Kindle. Um, so if that's the case, and if that's a representation of what the finales are supposed to be about, then maybe we'll get some sort of big moment for Kindle. Yeah, uh, we tend to in the end of these ep- uh, end of these seasons. Uh, so all I can say is that we've got a sample size of two. And the finales for season one and season two were a bang, to say the least. Ooh, so yeah. I think we're going to have a huge episode. Probably going to be a lot of plot movement. Probably going to be a super packed episode. They're usually a little bit longer. So I am absolutely riveted to see where the show goes and what they do. Especially with the the newfound uh, tidbit that we have that they may not be going for too much longer. They might end. They might wrap in another season or two. I will say this as just a side bet. In the event that Kendall actually dies in this next episode, or is found dead in this next episode, I will wear a trucker hat to work in reverse. Whoa! Look at that! Spencer's going to be trucker hat guy. Big, big trucker hat guy. In reverse, too. Throwing down down a bet for you. Put put some risk on the line here. Uh, There you go. Good for you. Uh, If if the the hat... Spencer will do a trucker hat backwards, which, by the way, I've been... We've been asking Spencer... You got to be a trucker hat guy, so I'm, I'm so glad that he's. You've been he's trying so hard. He's going to be a trucker hat guy. If Kendall is actually dead, uh, I don't. I don't think he is, but I hope the show goes there. I hope they have the guts to do it. But anyway, next week I think we're going to have an absolutely full episode with a lot to unpack and a lot to do. So Spencer, I cannot wait to get on the horn and do it with you. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate you out there. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we do this, guys, for you. Spencer and I are going to talk about the episodes anyway, but we record it because we hope it makes your day a little bit better. So thanks a lot for joining us, and we hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you after the finale of Season 3. See you then.